Hey, everybody. Merry Christmas to my favorite podcast, All of Geeks. And I just wanted to call and say thanks. This is Doug from Nine Kingdoms and uh, Meltdown Games. And I just wanted to thank you guys for podcasting and wish you a happy new year. And uh, let you guys know how much I appreciate everything you guys do on the airwaves and the interwebs. So thank you, All of Geeks. Merry Christmas. Yo. Head up, think fast, you're about to feel the blast. It's the dopest podcast on the net, oh yeah. All us geeks, fresh your bet. We round the world, we round the net. So get ready and get set, cause we make it look easy, no sweat. Jeff and Jordan, the host, yeah, they be the best. From the north to the south, to the east to the west. They cover movies, comics, TV shows, books. These guys gonna get you hooked. Don't stop now, just take a look. And don't forget to sign our Facebook. What they doing is board games, video games, yeah, they on it. They fly like a comet, interviews, you up. This podcast is pure. Give voice to your inner geek, that's for sure. Geek out any topic. No one ain't gonna ever, ever stop it. So if you wanna go and get it on, then head to allisgeeks.com. Welcome to episode 55 of All Us Geeks. I'm Jeff King. And I am the Jolly Fat Man. <laughs> We're here to give voice to your inner geek. Somebody at the table's lying. I'm giving voice, so it can't be me. <laughs> and joining us for episode 55 is... Don the Anime Guy. Hey, I'm back. Hey, Don's back. Jordan and I can retire for the evening. Considering most of the feedback we got was for Don. <laughs> well, hopefully my voice will hold out. I've caught a bit of a cold. You're talking. You are not stopping until we're done. <laughs> I'll do my best. <laughs> and go. So, Don, why don't you tell us about our sponsors for this episode? <laughs> Screw you. <laughs> episode 55 is going to be our end of the year episode. We are going to be looking at uh, some of our favorites over the last year. And some feedback we got from you, our wonderful listeners. We're up to two? We're up to plural? Yeah, barely. Not after this episode. Well, after you took care of all the bots. (laughs) Got really depressing there. Are we going to do news? (laughs) Nope. No. Well, you can. You do whatever you want. There is no uh, rhyme or reason to this episode. We usually don't do geek news for the end of the year. I'll have to squeeze it in somewhere else then, I guess. Like I said, Jordan and I are going to go get some drinks. (laughs) Uh, And I like Crown Royal. (laughs) All right. So, yes, we actually do have sponsors for our end of the year episode, which is awesome. Good way to end out the year, I think. Uh, (laughs) Having people that say that they appreciate uh, what we do, which is actually the first one. Uh, John, uh, which I've I've mentioned him on the podcast before, my buddy Saad over at uh, Game Crafter. I've given him some crap. He's one of the people that went back and power listened to our entire main audio catalog, the main episodes, and has now let us know that he tolerates our intro rap. Screw you, John. That rap is awesome. Yo. Yo. (laughs) But uh, John has sponsored the episode, and he just wanted, and, and his message for sponsorship is, uh, he just wanted us to know he was sponsoring for keeping him entertained over countless road trips over the last year. Normally, this is where I'd insult you, but seriously, you guys are awesome. And yes, that is normally where Sad would insult me. 
So win. <laughs> thanks for the sponsorship, John. It's it's awesome. And then we also have uh, Mind, the Fall of Paradise from What We Make Games, which is on Kickstarter right now, going until December 13th, 2014. These are also some individuals that have taken a uh, site ad. <laughs> are you, so it'll be are, over by the time this goes okay? up. <laughs> well, not. <laughs> as long as we keep Don in check and that he realizes this is an abbreviated end-of-year episode. <laughs> Wait, you didn't tell me abbreviated. But abbreviation is such a long word. Well, as <laughs> I said, it, yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> but as Jordan pointed out earlier today, you apparently listen, so you should know our end of the year. <laughs> Touche. I was you like, can admit it. You only listen to the eps you're on. <laughs> Megan's admitted it. All right, so mine, The Fall of Paradise from What We Make Games asymmetrical sci-fi board game for our, uh, I think two to four players. One player takes on the mind, the all powerful AI, uh, that is trying to write things and rebel against the rebels. So the other up to other three other players will be the rebel leaders. Uh, and they're trying to become mega mind. They are trying to become mega mind. They're uh, trying to rescue. I think as many people, uh, earth is pretty much kind of going to hell in a handbasket. Uh, the AI is trying to potentially fix the situation and it, it, and what it sees is the best way to do that and take on the, uh, the rebels and the rebels are trying, I believe, to evacuate their people and they have some common goals that if, if they accomplish, then they will win. So it's, uh, it's, you know, the, the AI, it's, it's almost kind of like two mini games pitted against each other. The AI individual is kind of playing this strategic game and, 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 uh, Trying to, you know, exactly trying to set up civil, you know, uh, structures and all this other stuff where the rebel players are kind of in this role play esque kind of game and they're manipulating around and running through the structures and trying to get people off and and evacuated from earth before it goes to hell. (laughs) You know, that co-op competitive all in one kind of thing. So would there be a rebel yell? There would be a rebel yell and it would be loud. (laughs) (laughs) More, more, more. Yeah. So, yeah, if you like uh, the sci-fi theme, if you like that co-op competitive uh, combination. Or if you like Billy Idol. Or if you like Billy Idol, go check out Mine, <laughs> The Fall of Paradise. Uh don't really have a ton in the uh, general section, I think, today either. And I can think of, I mean, I put out some changes today. Good changes. For potential for the coming year. Uh, so I don't know if we want to talk about that kind of stuff here, or if we want to do it towards the end about looking towards the future, some of the changes we're potentially making. Well, let's save that for the end. Yep. Other than that, I don't know. Jordan put out a video recently. Yes, I did. Yeah, you did. I put out two videos in a 30 day span. Oh. I, I don't remember the last one I put. <laughs> I've got some coming though. I've it's got some the third on the, on the list, apparently, according to the video <laughs> manager. <laughs> but yeah, you, uh, you gave us a look at the, uh, OP. Uh, tournament kit the prize or the prize, yep. prize kit or the month one of the organized play it's a nice dragon good cards good figure could be whiter <laughs> in a totally non-racist kind of way <laughs> yeah <laughs> right <laughs> all right so like we said this is our end of the year episode so uh we are going to be looking at some feedback we got from you guys we had asked for some feedback some of you came forward some of you did not i'm a little disappointed in some of the names not on this list i'll just say that right now you know who you are stephanie um 
Although she did wish us, she did give us a nice little Twitter shout out during Thanksgiving. So that was really sweet of her saying she was thankful for our podcast and me and you. Well, <laughs> you're part of the podcast. Yeah. But I got my own special little shout out where none of the hosts, none, did, of, the, none of the other individual hosts of the others. No, that is not true. <laughs> There were other individual hosts. Don't, on that list. don't argue facts with me <laughs> in my little mind. That's yeah, it's just it. <laughs> there are so many ways I don't want to be in your mind. I definitely don't want to be in your social media sky netted who's allowed and not allowed. <laughs> hey, that's that's Carl and Stephanie. That's that's not me. Anybody's allowed on my feed. Make it work. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, oh, good times. <laughs> the tacos were good. We don't have yes. a Taco Bell in town. So. It is Tequilo Taco Twerking Tuesday. Tequilo? Tequilo. Tequila. I already started. Tequilo Taco. <laughs> and um tacos were brought. Don did bring tacos. Thanks for the tacos, Don. Of course, I didn't have any of them. So twerk it. <laughs> All right. You ate the tacos. You twerk it. Get an yeah. eyeful. I mean, let me, let me turn that around there. I can't go fast. My back is sore. <laughs> And I don't see any singles. <laughs> Make it rain. All right. So should we do, uh, you want to do one of your segments first or should we do feedback stuff first? I think feedback would be nice first. Feedback. Right. And make me feel see better. See if it's worth doing a segment. Yeah. yeah that, that sort of thing. Does the segment happen? We'll know Why do you have this anime segment on every quarter <laughs> and paper crumble in the background? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm I'm at a point where uh, apparently we're just turning the podcast over to Don, and Jordan and I are going to go vacation somewhere because most of our feedback was for Don. And here we got one from uh, we've got like three different things from Mike, other Mike, <laughs> other Mike, over <laughs> at Royal Monster Battalion, which I guess makes sense because I I heard that you gave them uh, a, a a movie to watch. Yeah, but he's not other Mike anymore. You know that, right? He he He's doesn't get he doesn't get to me. make that decision. He, <laughs> you don't get to give up a nickname. No, it's given. No, and you die with it. There's there are recordings for the end of time that mark you as other Mike. Plus, you know he's he's tried out Monster Mike and just you know nothing has it, the flow in the ring. It's like other Mike. It, it's just forced at this point. Really, it's <laughs> tried too hard. I tried Mike. I tried. This is a bit of a paradox to me because, you know, he gives you feedback and he says he really enjoys you being on and enjoys your your segments. But his question for you just proves that he doesn't listen to you. Because <laughs> he wants to know that he, he wants you to know he uses a service called countryroll.com. Just in case you're aware. I never heard of that. Um, and he was wondering what your views are on the site. Considering you said before that some anime sites were bad for for anime in America while others were better, I found nothing negative about the site, but you are clearly more knowledgeable about the subject than I am, which he has proven on the podcast here, Mike, because he's actually told us about Crunchyroll in that in the exact segment that you're asking about. Well, you want the short answer or the long <laughs> answer? Because there is a long answer to this one. You give whatever answer you feel like giving. We're done. <laughs> See episode twenty two. Yeah. <laughs> Originally, they were a fan sub site. That's how they started, and that's how they started getting money. But after they got a decent amount of capital, then they switched over to be like basically the first fully legal site. So there's a lot of lingering hatred for the way that they got into it, which I can understand that. 
but I'm kind of a forgive and forget sort of thing. And I've, they've really pioneered how streaming anime is supposed to work in America and around the world. So I give them full props for that. And they certainly worked very hard at getting as many shows as they possibly can and pretty good quality. I don't usually have problems with them. You usually listen or watch Crunchyroll, don't you? Yeah, they're technically pretty sound, and they've got a good selection, and they're stable. The only issue I have, and I've talked to you about this, is every now and then on their Xbox app, it'll freeze like I've lost my connection, and then it won't bring back that app ever. I have to go finish it on my PC and then go back to my TV (laughs) and watch the next app. It doesn't happen often. It's only happened like five times in the last year or so. That's, that's, but damn it, I demand perfection. It's five too many. 100% uptime on everything that I do. (laughs) I like it. It's good, solid service. Uh, he also goes on to, he's, he's got some more questions for you. So he says he's hurting for watching anime at the moment because I can't watch anything with too much fan service as he has a six year old running around. So he doesn't want to watch. That and Mama Dragon really frowns upon the kiddo seeing it. <laughs> so he is wondering if you had any suggestions for good, more adult themed anime he could watch with headphones on while the kid was awake. So nothing that's going to potentially, I guess, have the jiggly boobies happening right, in the right. background. And actually, my topic today is on fan service, which should be interesting. But off the top of my head, there are certainly shows like um, Sword Art Online. Yeah, that's let, let me skip a little bit oh. ahead then here. He says he really loves Sword Art Online and enjoying the second season, currently getting back into Magi now that Netflix has it, and Psycho Pass was a blast to watch. Oh, yeah, Psycho Pass. I can think of you know some of those that I've recommended before. Jordan and I were talking about uh, Chihaya Furu recently, uh, just before this recording. That one, no fan service, a wonderful show. Um, a lot of sports shows in general, like um, I'm currently watching Yoa Peta, pretty good sports show, no fan service on that. Of course, like Steins Gate. I'd have to think about it some more. They certainly exist. I think. I can't remember if, if Steins Gate and Chaos Head is on Netflix. One or the other is for sure. I can't remember if they both are, though. It wouldn't surprise me if both of them. Oh, and Robotics Notes is the new one in the sort of series. Uh, he also just wanted to say that he loves your segment and is incredibly thankful for you to getting him back into watching anime after being off of it for a few years. Keep up the good work. Oh, and uh, hi, Jeff and Jordan. Weebo. Mm-hmm. Afterthoughts. <laughs> yeah. Thank a, you, Mike. Thank a, you. It's a running theme. Don't worry. That's the answer. Where's your dress video? Again, I think he's saving it to March. That's when he did it last time was March. <laughs> so Anthony says uh, hey to us as well. And he's really looking forward to the pledge drive. He's one of the individuals that started listening to us right before the pledge drive and actually hung out through the pledge drive and stayed with us. Sad, so, strange little man. S- Special kind of somebody right there. (laughs) It's capital S special. And actually says he's looking forward to the next one, the 31 days of podcasting. Again, not many people are probably looking forward to that. You're an army of one, Anthony. (laughs) It's two. You're looking forward to it? I am, honestly. (laughs) Validation in the room. He says he really uh, likes and appreciates that we like feedback, which is actually... uh, 
kind of comical since we don't get a ton of feedback, it seems like, even when we ask for it. But Anthony is one Kick of those. Kick me in the balls right now. It would be a banner day <laughs> if you're calling that feedback. But Anthony is one of the people that does like to, to offer feedback to us, which is greatly appreciated. So, and he talks about an email chain that him and I had back and forth. And he says, even though nothing of it ever made it on air, he appreciated that the two of us were having a conversation back and forth and, and that not only do we ask for feedback, but we seem to actually address the feedback and, and actually talk to people that give us feedback. So uh, that's awesome. And that's really what we're all about. I think, and, I mean, if you, if you take the time to interact with us, we want to take the time to interact with you. We appreciate everybody that listens to the podcast for sure. And uh, he goes on to say that, you know, he has a ask me anything and I will answer if you are brave or foolish enough to ask, uh, which I had to remind him that I asked him how his game design was going and he never answered that. <laughs> so uh, he uh, that might be the answer in itself. Yeah, he, he, he gave me an answer for that as well. Uh, but then he goes on to let's see. Yeah, he's waiting for the 30, 31 days of podcasting. And then he says, as for my favorite moments, well, all of Anime Don's segments are my top favorites. You traitorous bastard. <laughs> That's a big win over here. <laughs> uh, I was a big anime junkie in the 90s, and now I just dabble in it. Uh, but Don has introduced me to some new shows and re-sparked my interest in anime. Also, when it comes to the debate of dub or sub, I have always been a dub guy. Reading subs takes me out of the action of the show and ruins my experience, but this is just an opinion of a lonely anime fan. Uh, anyway, that is all I got for now. If I think of anything else, I'll let you guys know. Keep up the awesome work you're doing and keep being awesome, and I will keep listening. Well, again, thanks a lot, Anthony. And like I said, we had a minor conversation after that, which was pretty cool. And he may join me as one of the listener guests for the 31 days of podcasting. We talked about that a little bit as well. So, uh, hopefully he will. Cause I think that'll be a lot of fun. I've, I've had a lot of, of fun interacting with Anthony over the last year. So there you go. You got a, you got another fan. Like I said, this is a recurring theme. It, it still amazes me to hear people that say exactly that, that they started rewatching just cause they listened to me. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. surreal to me. Thank we, you very much. You got to get the anime section monthly. <laughs> I was just going to say it's probably time for Anime Don's podcast. <laughs> joining us up on the GeekCast Network. There you go. <laughs> Which, that's another thing, too. I just had somebody recently. We, we may have another member uh, soon. Cool. Another podcast. So we'll see how that plays out. We've been having some conversations. It's been exciting to see that grow. It has been for me as well. It's uh, one of those things that's kind of like I didn't take it too serious early on because it was pretty much, here's a couple different ways you can hear my voice. <laughs> Which felt wrong to me. <laughs> but then, yeah, it kind of grew. This has been a production of the Jeff King Network. <laughs> I, know, it's like, I might as well just rename the whole damn thing. <laughs> but then when somebody else, well, like when, when Mike came on and uh, for Almost Pod, and then when he wanted his own podcast, it was like, all right, well, I might, maybe it's time to like get serious about this a little bit. And then to kind of make the transition to, let's not make it only podcasts. Which, In the wild. Yeah. So yeah, that's it's, that's been that's been a lot of fun. Let's see what do we got here. Um, I will go Matt here. His favorite moment has nothing to do with the actual podcast. Awesome. <laughs> Glad we could provide a favorite moment that has nothing to do with us. You're no, welcome. No, it's got to do with me. Said <laughs> so my favorite moment. Uh, moments around the road trip to Protospiel, Michigan. 
uh, in July with, oh, it was July. You and I were talking about that earlier when that was. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was the Michigan one though. Yeah. With Jeff King, Jason Glover and David Shepard. So, uh, some great indie designers there. The conversations in the car were both entertaining and educational and the game testing and interactions while spiel were great. I will reiterate something I've said many times. Indie designers should make it a priority to attend a proto spiel or unpub type event whenever they can. The experience is invaluable. That's something I've been kind of promoting quite a bit as well. I fully agree with that statement. He also gives, you know, he's uh, the the t-shirt thing. I'll start my opinion here. I don't have an opinion. I will not likely buy a shirt. Thanks, Matt. <laughs> the honesty hurts, but it's it's good. But it's there. It's good. Uh, we appreciate it. And I've had a couple other people say that they're look they want me to start that. I don't know if we have fifty shirt strong worth of starting that, but uh, we actually have a little bit. We can talk. We can say about that a little later too, potentially. Uh, for Patreon, though, uh, he says I keep watching and waiting for this to be a thing. Uh, I'll definitely jump on it once it is. One thing I think would be cool to offer those who make a recurring payment of whatever minimum level you think is significant is to have a once a month or a quarter live invite only Google Plus Hangout, which of course we've talked about and is fairly standard fare, I think. But I think that's one of the things that him and I actually had a conversation about Patreon versus Pledge Drive and all that stuff uh, on that road trip that he's talking about. And I know he has been one of the people that has kind of said we should move forward with that. And like, and like you said, he's going to be on board when we make it a thing, which again, we're hoping January thousand dollars a month. We'll get the NPR voice up. And maybe one of us to like all of those cons that everybody says we have to attend. <laughs> if I have to choose one of each of these pair, what should I do? I'll all, all of them. <laughs> <laughs> Don't think you understand how choices work. <laughs> it's not a, B, C, D, E, all of the above. <laughs> Oh, and for the pledge drive, uh, Matt was one of the first people that has stepped up to and has said that he would donate some of his games oh, uh, for, for our pledge drive. So that is awesome, too. Let's see. We also got Nate. <sighs> so Nate said the game, he, well, his, his, his original feedback was, again, nothing to do with the podcast. <laughs> the game day at, our, at my place was a lot of fun. He enjoyed playing the prototypes even more than the published games we played. We should do that more often, which we're hoping to. He said, my overall goal would be to do that twice a year. Somebody else in the house may not be as on board with that, but I'm working on it. Now if you need a second house. <laughs> and then he said he did the, uh, the does, does my appearance on onboard games count because of the awesome user question or listener questions, which were primarily Nate's. Oh, I contributed. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah thanks for the serious feedback nate <laughs> mike again uh he said he forgot to mention how much he appreciated us making him take a look at and backing draco magi so that's always good to hear as well when somebody takes a look at one of our reviews or listens to one of our reviews and actually uh goes and backs it so that is awesome but then, did you say in the comments that you backed it because yes. of the All Us Geeks review? That that's the bigger thing. <laughs> that's that's what I've been valuable. forgetting. Oh shoot, that's the more valuable of the thing. I mean, we appreciate hearing it. Don't get me wrong. There are other people that need to hear it. Though. <laughs> and then, lastly, we'll go back to Mike as well. 
This is Mike from over at the Royal Monster Battalion podcast calling in to let all those geeks know how much we truly appreciate everything they've done for us. Uh, Jeff is firsthand responsible for me getting the podcast started, so I wanted to say or uh, give a great big thank you to him for helping me out with that, as well as wanted to say how enjoyable the Road to Relaunch interview section has been and uh, that I've just enjoyed that immensely. A huge thank to Jordan for uh, keeping Jeff in line this entire time and uh, keeping us up to date on all the new war games out there, even though I don't play them. I love watching him work on his minis and uh, posting his videos to YouTube where he's playing. And a huge thank you to Anime Don for getting me back into watching anime as much as I've enjoyed that in the past. I'm glad he's got me back into it uh, again this year. You guys have got me reading tons more comics than I used to, especially following along with the Rat Queens. You guys are been huge influence on my life, and I appreciate everything that you've done, not only this year, but in the years past. And I look forward to hearing from you in uh, years to come. So once again, this is Mike. From the bottom of my heart, thank you, everyone, over at All Us Geeks. So that was pretty cool. Thanks again, Mike. It's uh, been a lot of fun getting to know you, dude, and helping you get the podcast off the ground and podcasting with you as well, uh, since we got to have a brief stint as co-hosts for for a show that all of us doomed. <laughs> I saw that Ep 11 went up. No, that was already up. That was just Oh, was that in case you missed it? No, that was uh it must have fallen off the it, the auto populate radar so it repopulated it. Gotcha. Now I still have two episodes I need to edit, which I will do eventually. Merry Christmas, everybody that's waiting for those last two ups. Oh, <laughs> uh, I will say, I, I know at least one person is. I know Anthony has asked me to, to get them out there too, cause he was a listener. He was a listener, which again, we greatly appreciate. And that, that is definitely a podcast we wish would have kept going. So that is our general feedback that we got. Again, we greatly appreciate everybody that gave us feedback and we look forward to doing this for another year as well. And we'll talk about some of that here, maybe towards the end. And we'll get into some of our uh, favorites, our favorite gamer reviewed, all that good stuff. But first, Don's going to edumacate us. First, I'm going to do some news because you guys don't have a news segment this time. And I wrote down news and I'm going to say it. Dang it. Though, I guess I can't stop you from editing it. You can say whatever you want. (laughs) (laughs) What you say, what it sounds like later, two different things. Sometimes when I'm listening, I'm like, wasn't there a joke in there somewhere that I just missed? I'm confused. No, no. (laughs) There's never a joke. (laughs) Toonami, Inuyasha, the final act is getting a run on there. Inuyasha ran on there for many years. And now the late season that finished up the story is finally getting a Toonami run. So if you're an Inuyasha fan, finally want to see the end of the story, there you go. Toonami was running Helsing Ultimate and they were supposed to run all 10 episodes <laughs> and after 8 they realized that uh, they didn't have the rights to the last 2 episodes. <laughs> I don't know if that's a Toonami or a Funimation statement, probably Funimation, but I have heard that they are now going to play them, I think later this month. Funimation has started a new initiative called Broadcast Dubs, 
Apparently, their experience with Space Dandy went very well, so they're now doing some shows simulcast dubbing of them. They started a month late, which seems a little odd, but they're doing it for Psycho Pass 2 and Laughing Under the Clouds. Hopefully that goes well, because, you know, I'm a dub fan. Not so that what do you mean by a month late? What does that mean? Well, the the uh, quarter started in October, and it wasn't until, I think, the beginning of November that they announced this initiative and started putting episodes online. So it was after the episodes had been out a little while, mm-hmm. before they even said that they were going to be dubbing them simulcast. Okay. I don't gotcha. know what the holdup was. In uh, Japan news, Lupin Third is getting the first new TV series since 1985. Well, they kind of had one a couple years ago with uh, Fujiko Mine, but that was a Fujiko series, technically not a Lupin one. But Lupin's actually getting a new series now. The first one came out in the 70s, if I remember right. A new Attack on Titan is coming, but we're going to have to wait. It's not coming till 2016. Oh, well. It's another thing I got in my cart, part two. Mm. <laughs> I watched it recently and I loved it. Pony Canyon, it's a Japanese company, is now getting to North America distribution, skipping over the middleman of Funimation and their ilk. And they will probably be following the Anaplex USA model, which sucks really bad. Which oh, They do a good job. I mean, they have it's good like, quality. Like Jordan took over the anime news for a second there. But I, I've complained you about this before. Like I'm negative and just bash, bash, bash. I'm the jolly fat man. No. <laughs> Uh, the cranky you can fat say man. It. <laughs> Saying it doesn't make it so. It, it does. No. Uh, Aniplex follows a Japanese pricing model, which is way, way higher than the American one. And Pony Canyon is probably going to do the same thing. So great. I'm going to be overpaying for a bunch more stuff. Hopefully, See, that's they'll... a difference between us, though. I mean, because that is your thing, and I get that. So you like want to own it, want to own it as soon as you can. I've got all this crap in my cart that I'm interested in. But unless it hits a certain threshold, that's where it stays. <laughs> I understand. That's why I asked you <laughs> asked you about Steinsgate earlier ah. before we started recording because it, it, I got the uh, price drop alert. Oh. <laughs> you have $32,000 in your saved for later card. Would you like to review that now? No. Yeah, that's, that's about right. <laughs> no, I'll be getting their shows, of course, but it's going to hurt to get them. In more positive uh, licensing news, right stuff under their Nozomi label, which might be under their Lucky Penny label, has made a deal to release numerous Gundam series, including ones that have never been released here in the U.S., like Turn A Gundam and Double Zeta. As a longtime Gundam fan, of course I'm excited about this. There's a lot of Gundam series out there, and I've only seen maybe half of them. So, yay for more Gundam. And the last bit of news, Star Blazers, a word that uh, may mean something to old folkies like us, it might Watch be getting it. a live-action Hollywood film soon. I don't know if I like this tone. Hey, I'm the one getting the feedback. I can say whatever I want on your podcast. Oh! Cut blue. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out! I'm starting to fear the end of the podcast where we start talking about what's going to be in next year's. Uh... Yeah, I think you should. <laughs> I think you should. Please anime mics. New anime section. <laughs> What's new in anime to Mike? <laughs> I think we can make that work. Yeah, yeah. I think we can. Little tear. Little I tier. like it. Let me make some calls. <laughs> and just a little update on the fall 2015 or 2014 season. Sorry. Looking extremely good. A lot of series getting really good reviews. Some returning ones like the second half of the second series of Mushishi and the new Fate Stay Night is 
looking amazing. But some new stuff too, like Garo the Animation and Parasite the Maximum are getting really good reviews. Of course, the biggest news is still Sailor Moon, which has not been getting good reviews. Really? I, no. I thought it had been. Or did it kind of make a flip somewhere along the line? Everything I, everybody I've heard talk about it, I guess, or things that I listen to have been saying really great things about it. That's not what I've been hearing, uh, for two reasons. Number one, it's an older property and they're sticking close to the manga, mm-hmm. which I'm not too surprised it didn't age all that great. Right. And secondly, the art is bad, which is the part that surprises me a lot because for something this, with this much buzz and this much clout, you'd think that they put everything they had into it. And they're actually doing a strange once every two week schedule instead of every week, like every other show. So it's not like they don't have time. So you think to be putting money and effort into it, but that's the biggest complaint is that the art is really mediocre to bad. Real surprise. Okay. Moving on to my actual discussion topic. And here's where I have to apologize. That wasn't it. That wasn't, no. That was the news segment, which I didn't get. (sighs) You You brought this on yourself, people. You got it. First, I had to apologize to everybody. Last time when I was on, I promised that I would explain why I couldn't recommend Gurren Lagan to everyone. Well, I was going to do that, and I had planned to, but when I was working on what I was going to talk about for my review, it ended up being very long. And it's like, ah, this, I can't cut it down. So I decided to split that into two different segments, a discussion topic and a review. So I'm going to push off what I was going to talk about till next time. So... Just uh, assuming I come back. Uh, like just keep ahead of ourselves here. Just, just keep yep, talking. Yep. So, so hang you on. You talk yourself out of it. You can talk yourself back in, possibly. <laughs> so, just wait up for that one. <laughs> keep uh-huh. going. Yeah, sideways thumbs right. Okay. Uh, I do have a. Uh, I'll put it back up. I do have another reason for breaking it apart like this too, and that I'm starting to run out of topics I want to talk about. I still have a couple in plan. Oh, so you're going to work yourself out of life cycle over. (laughs) So if anyone out there has any ideas for a discussion topic, I'd love to hear them. Wait a minute. minute. I got to hit, I got to mark the calendar. There, there was a day, there's going to be a day that Don can't talk anime. (laughs) I'll find a way. (laughs) I have a couple good topics yet, but after that, I'm, I'll think of something. Hopefully. Okay. What I want to talk about today is the subject of fan service. Fan service. Become a man. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> and it happened here, folks. You <laughs> heard it here. Anime <laughs> Don dropped a pair. On the, the fan service topic, no less. Yeah, with my voice cracking because of my cold. It's just, oh man. Oh, you're cold, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You sound pretty healthy to us. Uh, fan service, the, the term can actually mean a bunch of different things. It's in, Basically, any sort of extraneous thing in a show, especially to the storyline, that's added in just for the fans to be excited about. One you'll see commonly in like movies is cameos. You see like a, a Stan Lee cameo in a Marvel movie? It's not done for the plot. It's done so that we can How fanboy. dare you? <laughs> Stan Lee is always relevant to the plot. <laughs> always relevant. He's there for us to point him out and say, yeah, it's Stan Lee. Uh, that's a, a form of fan service. There's other kinds, too. When it comes to anime, there's kind of even more types, like a giant robot fan service. I didn't know what that meant until I saw Godanar. I'm like, oh, I got it. But 99.99% of the time, when someone says we're in fan service in relation to anime, they mean one specific thing, female fan service, TNA, and all the different forms that takes. 
And actually, it does take a few different forms. <laughs> a, one's a B, C, one's double an a. D. Yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> some shows are just built around it and have tons of it in there. And other shows, it's just kind of added in there as some sort of extra thing and doesn't mean anything. I tend to like both types of shows, though sometimes in a show it can just really get in the way of the story and what's going on. Over the years, I've noticed that fan service in these shows has gotten both more bold and less bold at the same time. It has to do with censorship and how in Japan, the censorship rules have gotten more and more strict over time, especially very lately, the last couple of years. They've really, really tightened it on both anime and manga. It's got to do with the upcoming Olympics that they'll be hosting. They want to pretend to the world that they're not all sick and twisted, I guess. <laughs> so they're really clamping down on censorship. Well, let's go check out uh, Libsyn to see how many Japanese <laughs> users we just lost. <laughs> it's like, come on, Japanese government. You know the internet exists, right? It's not like the rest of us don't know what's going on. But at the same time, these shows are getting much more in your face about their fan service, throwing it right out there. What happens when you get the TV broadcasts of these is that they will censor them out in some way, usually with a band of light or a bland of darkness that appears out of nowhere. Or if it's like a hot tub scene or a bathroom scene, it'll have a ton of steam covering up all the naughty bits, which could be kind of funny sometimes because they remove all the censoring in the home video versions. And some of the more self-aware shows will have the girls saying something like, wow, there's a lot of steam in here. And I'm watching and thinking, I'm not seeing any steam, but I'm seeing an awful lot of something else. What do you mean? (laughs) Yeah, what do I mean? Right. Mirror fogged up? What? Bubbles? Shampoo? Not getting it. Stop Uh, being vague. Something needs to drop for you too, apparently. What I really Well, if you would talk slower. (laughs) Get the light, Jordan. (laughs) Oh boy. We'll have to keep the lights on. This is getting weird fast. It's not a UG after dark. Yet. Yet. That comes at fifteen hundred dollars. I'm I'm gonna talk into more detail about the sort of fan service that you see very commonly in anime. And it's defense really isn't the right word. I'm not trying to defend it, but to give some cultural and market awareness of where they're coming from and what they're doing and what they're putting on the screen. The first point is one that I sometimes hear from non-geeks is how can someone be attracted to a cartoon? That's just sick and weird. And well, it's (laughs) sad panda. It's really not all that complicated. Imagine for a second, a simple smiley face, two dots and a curved line underneath. When you see that, you know it's a smiling face. It looks like a person's face smiling. While we've certainly seen lots of those and we know what it's supposed to be, I suspect that for all of us, when we first saw it, we didn't have to be trained in knowing what it was. It just looks like a face. It's because the human mind is very good at picking out patterns, especially human-like patterns, and even simple drawings. I'm already uncomfortable with this conversation. (laughs) (laughs) And smiley faces, the reason that we pepper them with all our instant messages and stuff like that, is very simple. It actually evokes an emotional response in us. Like, smiles are contagious. This is going to be a conversation that's going to get me back on my psych paper. (laughs) (laughs) From that perspective, if you think of something that was drawn to be attractive, drawn to be sexual... It's not a surprise that it has the same sort of effect, that it actually has an effect of being titillating to us. 
that's what it was meant to do. And our brains kind of fill in the blanks and see what we want to see out of it. That's really how drawings work. And if you really don't think so, then you're either underestimating the human imagination or you're overestimating human eyesight, which is a fascinating topic in and of itself, which I might talk about some other time. Okay, so what sorts of things do you see in anime? Well, number one, boobs. I don't think I really need to explain why that's popular. Again, talk slow. (laughs) (laughs) But (laughs) when people see this stuff, they're for the first time, they're generally very surprised at how large the boobs are in anime and how prevalent that is. It's true. It's, it's weirdly kind of part of the pop culture there. You go there, you watch their, their fighting video games, anime series, manga, whatever. Big boobs are just a part of everyday life there. You see on billboards and posters and all sorts of stuff. It's just normal there. It doesn't even stand out. So you see it in the show, well, it's not really supposed to stand out that much. And here's another one that is very prevalent in anime. The panty shot. <laughs> You'll see this all sorts of places, all sorts of shows. Now, there's a very simple technical reason for having panty shots in that it doesn't actually show anything, so they don't have to censor it. So you can show something a little titillating without all the censoring bars and problems like that. what a leading? I don't know. What did I say? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. when you watch this stuff, you might think, wow, these guys are really into panties because they're like to everywhere. My gosh. Okay, we've heard of the vending machines. <laughs> ah, yep, the uh, the used panty vending machines, which I've heard actually did exist. Well, Japan as a culture actually does have a sort of obsession with panties, and it's kind of our fault. <laughs> wait, wait, wait a minute. By our, I've done I, nothing. By our, I mean the general West. And so let me explain that. Guilt by association, <laughs> Jeff. Damn you, all us geeks! <laughs> <laughs> all right, I can sell my underwear. <laughs> I'm out again. I'm out. Back in the past, Japanese women didn't wear undergarments. Not that it was a weird or titillating thing. They had plenty of overgarments. It just wasn't something they did. It wasn't until they started trading with the West that these came into the culture. Now, of course, being an import, they were very expensive. So about the only people that could buy them were the very rich. So it was kind of a luxury item. But there was another type that would buy them frequently as well. And that was women of the red light district. By wearing them, they could show a little something, something to potential customers without actually revealing anything. So panties became a, like a deep part of sexuality. Like, uh, that whole image became ingrained in the cultural consciousness and it's never been let go. And of course, pop culture keeps reinforcing it over and over again. But yeah, panties really are kind of a thing there more than you'd think. And here's, I just think they're comfortable. <laughs> I'm happy for you. Now, here's something that gets into a little bit more difficult to talk about, and that's the age of the girls in these shows. That's one that it's pretty common to see high school age girls, you know, 16 or so, drawn in very sexual manners, in poses, and flashing fan service. And here we'll have revulsion to that, which is a pretty healthy response. But you got to understand it's a cultural response, not necessarily a biological one. And Japan culture is a little different in how they see these things. For one thing, there's a technical reason. It's that they tend to draw these girls older than they say they are. I'm sorry, but girls just aren't that developed at age 16. I tend oh, to think... Girls aren't that developed without surgery. <laughs> uh, true. They, they tend to be drawn a few years older than, they, than their stated ages. But it's beyond that. Where we say 18 plus, 
18 is the line? Well, it's a little different in Japan. The marrying age for girls in Japan is 16. Not for boys for some reason, because, you know, sexism. But for girls, their legal marrying age is 16. So they are seen as sexually prime earlier than we see them. But that's not, like, weird. Actually, the, the ones that are a little different when it comes to, like, the history of humanity, it's our modern Western approach to it. Through most of human history, girls got married younger. I'm thinking of um, Game of Thrones, um, the older Stark girl, Sansa, was it? Mm-hmm. How when she got married and she was younger, and at least in the show, they said something about, well, she's too young. They said, well, she's had her period, right? Then she's good. And that's really what it was through much of human history. It wasn't just Game of Thrones being dark again. We have a different viewpoint now because we can kind of afford to. Back in the past, in agricultural communities, children were considered assets, not li- financial liabilities like they are today. And also, humans have shorter lifespans, child birth rates are much higher. So it was kind of, you want to get as many babies as you can, and starting early is a good thing. So that's where it's, at least in the past, it was seen as younger girls in the like the mid-teens were prime candidates for marriage. Well, that's kind of stuck in the cultural consciousness of Japan as well, whereas the American ideal of a girlfriend is like a Playboy model or a Victoria's Secret model or something. In Japan, every guy wants a high school girl girlfriend. That's just the way it is. Seems bizarre to us, but that's just their culture. You also got to remember another technical thing in that the target market for these shows tends to be the mid to mid teens to lower twenties males. So like the mid to higher teens are still living the dream. Going to get that <laughs> high school girl target market. So it doesn't, it's not really a surprise that the girls tend to be around the same age as the target market. The one last point I want to talk about is the really young girls. Now, at first, I was just going to blow this off with some comment about how I don't understand it and I never want to understand it. But if I'm doing a whole topic about understanding, that's... <laughs> uh, understanding, to a point. <laughs> to, right. So I thought, well, I better actually look into this. I have to... And apo- that's when I lost my job. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'll that's give a bit of a warning. Security! <laughs> I'll give a bit of a warning in that this isn't as well-researched as other things, partly because I couldn't find much research on the topic, but more to the point that I, I was... they escorted him out of the building. I, I was realizing <laughs> what I was putting in my Google search bar and thought, <laughs> no, <laughs> I, I don't need the FBI at my door for this. Certainly not on the W3 network. <laughs> <laughs> so this is going to phase a, a bit into my viewpoint and what I think, what I'm seeing of it. So what I'm seeing initially is that there's this very strange dissonance between what I'm seeing visually and what I'm getting as the intent. Now, I guess I couldn't understand why some weird show would target pedophiles if there's a market for that, but that doesn't explain at all why so many... (laughs) (laughs) No, no, that's that's still a bubble. That's It doesn't explain why so many shows have young characters... And sexualize situate or looks and poses and things like that. It's actually, it's all over the place. And even in shows that wouldn't have like a lot of fan service otherwise. So I'm seeing this dissonance and I'm trying to make sense of it. And what the sense I've managed to make, uh, first I have to take a trip back into historical Japanese social culture. So Japanese culture, just like most everything in Japan is very structured, uh, traditional, ritualistic. Their whole social structure is built on 
families and gender and age. And the top of all of this is the older male. And amongst the older males, it's the, the, the older the bunch that always has seniority and always has control over everybody else. They're at the, the, the top of the stack always. Well, that was great until about World War II, where the Japanese male suffered a crushing defeat at their enemies. And that kind of put into question this whole infallible top male thing. Well, they took an even worse hit, though, in the 1990s when their economic bubble burst. It was always like a guaranteed life for them that born to the family, get a certain education, get a certain job. You work in that job for your whole life, feeding your family. Well, suddenly all these guys are getting laid off. And the whole sight of the elderly male as being the infallible one just fell apart. So the males at this point began to fear other people because suddenly their guaranteed lives were gone. They began to fear youth who were coming up with new ideas, new potential. And they began to fear women who were becoming a growing force in the, in the workforce. And of course, the sweet spot there being young females. You can see this in the Japanese horror that came out in the, starting in the late nineties. Think of uh, Ringu and uh, Juwan, where the evil creature is a f- Japanese female. A great way to see uh, the fears of a culture is to look at their horror that they produce. And you can see it right there. Something weird happened, though, in that the males still found themselves attracted to these young females. So they're dealing with this fear and attraction at the same time and trying to reconcile that. And this is kind of the rise of the moe culture. Now, Japan just loves, loves, loves this cute. From Hell Kitty on up, it's a culture of cute. So they kind of pushed these female protagonists into a lower bracket to make them younger and cuter and make them more of a excited because they're cute thing than being like a young woman that was attractive. The weird thing about it that I th- see is that the sexual component never really left that. It it stayed in that con- consciousness. And I think I, I, there's a, a theme going here that's things stick in Japanese cultural consciousness like forever. And that's, all, that's always been true. So these things, the, the sexual side of it didn't actually leave it, even though they, they were going younger and going away from the sexuality of it. And you can see that in like the Gothic Lolita style, which people who are into that style will heavily insist it's got nothing to do with sexuality. But from an outside perspective, there's like a sexual component to the style. And the whole word moe used in Japan itself is an interesting indicator. It's a word that is used now in American fandom because partly because it doesn't translate terribly well. It generally means cute, but there's sort of a sexual component to it as well. It's like the, the clumsy high school girl who's really cheerful and upbeat and really cute also has big boobs sort of thing. It's kind of this, this weird mix of the sexuality in this cuteness. So they kind of, I think, see these sexualized shots of these younger girls more as a cute thing than a sexual one. Almost like I'm saying that a little girl showing her panties is like watching a kitten meow. I think it is kind of like that there. At least that's what I've come to understand from just the prevalence of it all. Jordan, you like cats, don't you? I do. (laughs) That explains a lot. Well, that's all I had to talk about. Well, at least you didn't leave it weird. <laughs> you. <laughs> Boing. <laughs> <laughs>
So again, this is our end of the year episode, so we're not actually going to review a game, but we are going to talk about what some of our favorite games were that we did review over the last year. And I kept it strictly to what we did on the podcast. I didn't look through our videos as well, because I think that would have made it even harder, because <laughs> I was struggling with this one a bit today. Uh, we actually looked at some pretty decent stuff this past year. Uh, we had we had a, a good series of games. So um, what did you come up with? I couldn't narrow it down to one. Okay, That's fair. I've got a, a, a top two. That is not fair. That's not fair at all. <laughs> we listeners want to hear your number one. There's a thumbs down. There we go. <laughs> See, he just suddenly, just he gets your the, sex talk over there. He gets some feedback. <laughs> and all Bam. of a sudden he's coming on talking about those headphones yeah. stretching over the head. I wasn't like, talking as a host. I was talking as, as a fan listening. <laughs> okay, fine. It'll be a one and a one A. <laughs> Warhammer Disc Wars. Just because I was so pleasantly surprised by what it was not. Mm-hmm. And that was a great pog game. <laughs> <laughs> with water in his mouth. <laughs> Bonus points. <laughs> that was almost really bad. <laughs> and Nautilus. I really enjoyed that. You know, we played a lot of interesting games this year. We had a lot of things that I, I liked some more than others. But when I went at back and, and looked at the list of everything that we did this year, those are the two that, that struck out, struck out, stuck struck. out at me. Sorry. Sorry, games. <laughs> You suck, Nautilus. Or are we, are we doing our favorites or our least favorites? <laughs> Those are the two that, uh, stuck out at me. And I, you know, it's just, they're both vastly different games, but, uh, I, I just couldn't choose between the two what, what the one and the one A is. I'll, I'll leave that to the listeners to fill in. <laughs> okay. Don, I know you didn't necessarily play most of the games we played, but did you have a, like a favorite or a couple of favorite games that you've played this past year that you've gotten a, a lot of enjoyment out of? We'll give you a pass on most of the stuff for your own personal preference versus what was on the podcast. <laughs> oh, I'm not prepared. It has to be one that you talked about. Uh-huh. No, no, no. I oh. just said we're giving you a pass. Oh, okay. So, because you didn't necessarily play everything that we played uh, or even a good portion of it, probably. I think the one that became the biggest pleasant surprise for me was Legendary, the Marvel game mm-hmm. that initially I was game. like, okay, it's all right. And the more I played it, the more I'm like, there's actually something to this and I'm, I'm getting into it and I've played it a lot and I really enjoy it. Legendary. <laughs> yeah, that is that is a good game. We've enjoyed that one as well. Yeah, and we didn't review it on the podcast, but that is one we definitely enjoy playing. And we also did the uh, the alien one too. And that that's just don't was, go for the weapons locker, people. <laughs> it's <laughs> never worth it. <laughs> that was enjoyable as well, even though we got our butts handed to us. That I, I thought that game was a great surprise. Yeah, it's the same mechanic, but it feels very yeah. different. Yep. I, when they announced it last year, I was like, oh, scoffing really? this, hardcore. This is going to suck. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, I looked at it and Jordan got it and I played it and I was like, I, I have to retract two statements this year. <laughs> one about a pog game and, and one about this. Let's see. For me, I had a really hard time making this decision. Actually, part of it was because I got myself distracted. I went back to look at what we Oops, did. <laughs> exactly. I looked back at what we did and then I realized. So I was like trying to pull up just the main audio because that's where we've done all the podcasts. So I did that from our drop down and realized pagination wasn't working <laughs> on our site. So it only showed me four episodes. So then I went down this whole rabbit hole of why that wasn't working and got that working. <laughs> so, 
I was squirreling it quite a bit during my attempt to try to figure this out. But eventually I got that working and I got to go through the episodes and, and take a look at everything. And like I said, we've played some really nice stuff this, this year. I'm pleasantly surprised. There wasn't a whole lot that I didn't care for much, which isn't always the case. Uh, and then I even went as far as look, I did look at some of our video stuff. I was like, Oh yeah, I can't add this in because <laughs> then I'm really making it a tough decision. So I ended up picking strictly off of what's gotten quite a few plays around here. And so I had to go with Ghost Love Candy because that's a decent game. Uh, it's really enjoyable. And we played it on vacation. We played it with family. Megan really likes that one. So that's one we reviewed on the podcast. We did a video for. And like I said, it's gotten quite a bit of play. So I, I chose that one. I do agree. I was right there with you on the discourse thing as too, as well. Cause we both like we, we brought that to the table just to laugh at it. <laughs> Almost. This is what we thought we were going to do. We're like, Oh, Hey, let's get hey, together and feel superior. Let's do this again. <laughs> so to be good. That was great. And then I picked what could have potentially been my favorite if we had gotten the final version. And I know it's shipping now, so it's, you know, it's, it is what it is, but Epic Resort, I think has that potential if we can get it in and, and get some plays in it. Cause I really enjoyed that. And I really enjoyed the theme of that. We just didn't get to play it as much. And now that it's shipping, hopefully we can get in a couple of games. So that's what I picked. Ooh, I got him a favorite. That prison game that Jeff King is working on. <laughs> Don't lie. Oh, <laughs> Come on, that's that's got to get a thumbs up. Come on. No, no, no. Cause see, I just know you're lying Andering. now. <laughs> Cause that game needs work. <laughs> I will say though, um, you guys liked it better than Bill's group. Bill's group hated it. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. He's like, uh, we need to scrap this. And it's like, no. So, uh, we're, we're mid drawing board on a couple of things, but I don't think we're scrapping as much. I think, uh, some of the feedback that you guys gave us, I think, uh, might potentially help with what they didn't like about it. So, yeah. uh, but they absolutely hated the dice, just hated the dice. Hmm. And I think where you guys are talking about potentially keeping more of the dice for your individual self might maybe help with that a little bit. Instead of throwing so many dice into the middle for everybody to share. I thought it had some good potential. It just, some things didn't work right. It was a very, you know, you guys hit the first draft, like never hit the table. So I, yeah, I was yeah. pretty happy with how the plays went for something that I hadn't like polished out a whole lot before you guys ever saw it in a normal design phase. You guys would have never seen that version. So All right. Right. That being said, I was pretty happy with it, <laughs> but apparently Bill's like, I should have never showed this to my, my group because <laughs> it wasn't ready for them yet. <laughs> uh, so we're, yeah, we're working on that. All right, my recommendation this time around is a series called Strike Witches. Strike Witches was originally a series of magazine illustration columns. Is this the one that you were trying to get the... Yeah, the wall scroll for, the wonderful wall scroll. I thought it sounded familiar. We had talked about it a little bit. But that went for a lot of money. (sighs) It was adapted into originally two light novel series, three manga series, an OAV, multiple anime series, and a film, and some video games. So it was kind of exploded in popularity. The first anime season came out in 2008, the second in 2010, and the third one is on the way. 
first two seasons were 12 episodes long. There's an OAV in progress, and I have not seen the movie yet. I want to. The first two series in the movie have been licensed by Funimation. Movie has yet to be released, though. The show takes place in an alternate Earth of the mid-20th century. It's around the World War II era, except in this world, aliens are invading and pretty much beating the crap out of the Earth. So the Earth has united to fight them. Aliens are very strange, not the sort that you can just talk to, and their motivations are unknown. Human weapons aren't very effective against them, so they're digging down to try and find anything they can to fight them with. And what they find is magic. There's not a lot of magic in the world, but it turns out witches do exist. Not the old hag type, but the young girl type, riding brooms and everything. Though in this, they don't ride brooms. With the magic of technology, they upgrade to what they call striker units. They're these uh, kind of clunky-looking things that they wear over their legs, have little propellers on them, that help them fly around. Much more maneuverability. You lost, Jordan. <laughs> You didn't get that from the show? Yeah. Well, I was going two different ways there. I was about to say, in Soviet Russia, <laughs> brooms ride you, but then Jeff <laughs> took it in a whole different space. <laughs> How did I take I, it I anywhere? <laughs> I did nothing. You looked at me. <laughs> you gave me the look. The look. The look that says, they ride, dah, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> okay. Did you get that? No, not at all. all right. Yeah. Yeah, just go back to your paper. I know what I saw. I'm glad I'm not in Jordan's head. <laughs> so am I. Damn. So are all of us. Trust me. Well, these witches are relatively young. Since they lose their magic power around age 20, uh, they're being drafted into the military and forced to fight these aliens with their magic powers that enhance their weaponry and can actually fight them fairly decently. But it's not that serious of a show. It, it's fairly lighthearted. Now, some interesting things about it. The stories and the battles are actually modeled after their real-life counterparts in World War II. Like, the first season is basically about the Battle of Britain. Second season is basically about the late stages of the Adriatic Campaign. And the characters themselves, the young girls, are very loosely based on real-life ace pilots. Mostly ace pilots of World War II. Just an example, Charlotte Yeager, the American, not American, uh, United States of Liberta, something, the American equivalent in that world who is obsessed with speed. Charlotte Yeager is based on Chuck Yeager, who is the first person to break the sound barrier. So Charlotte in the show tests new striker units for higher speeds and really based around uh, speed stuff. Also, their striker units that they all have, which are all look a little bit different, they're actually based on World War II fighter planes. Charlotte's, for example, is kind of looks uh, has some looks of a P-51D Mustang, American fighter plane. And they're all based on different... Uh, World War II fighters, which sounds kind of uh, interesting and exciting, but really the show is about panties. <laughs> Funimation had... <laughs> I'm not joking. Uh, Funimation had the, the wonderful little blurb about it, winning the war on pants, which feels about right. In fact, it's right there on the box. That's, that's what they put on the box, and I, I, I couldn't agree more. The series takes place, like I said, in, in Britain with the f- 501st Fighter Wing with these young girls. And none of them wear pants. In fact, as far as I can tell, no girl in this world wears pants or skirts or anything else below their waistline other than undergarments or bloomers or swimsuits or something. Why? I don't really know. Because pants would impede the tail that magically appears. <laughs> there you go. Uh, that's the other thing. Yep. They, they have cat ears and fox ears and stuff when they, when their magic turns on. What's really strange to me about it is that 
they kind of had a, a sort of decent explanation for showing their undergarments and that these striker units look pretty clunky and they look like they would really get tied up if you had clothing on. So I can understand why they couldn't wear clothing while they're wearing these striker units. But the show just says, ah, screw it. We're not going to have anyone wear pants. And the, the girls on the bridge, the commander, you know, they're pantsless. <laughs> the show. It, are, are we in the recommendation section or are you still doing the fan service section? <laughs> As I said, I was going to talk about that, but I had to split them. The, the audacity of it kind of enticed me a bit as it's, it's like not even trying to pretend. It's like, nope, we're just going to have fun with it and have fun. They do a lot of their, I said they fight aliens and stuff like that, but they don't do a lot of that. That comes more into play toward the end of the seasons and stuff, but mostly it's just these girls living on the base in kind of their everyday lives and some hilarious situations occur. Like, uh, I love the episode where the one girl after the communal bath discovers her panties were stolen. Which is kind of a problem if you wear nothing but panties. <laughs> and it turned out to be just a hilarious comedy of errors sort of episode. What really got me about the show, and if you were wondering, this is my fan service recommendation show. I'd like to bring out lots of different types of show. When I was thinking of shows that, okay, I'm going to do a fan service type show. Which ones pop to my head as ones that are really fun to watch, really, that I really liked? Strike which is it in. <laughs> That one's a mix of a Bring fan first server show and something else. And I'm going to talk about that later. <laughs> Next time. Well, I was thinking about just these ones that exist for the fan service and they're just fun. This is the one that's popped to the top of my list. And it's partly because the characters themselves are just fun to watch and they're rather a likable group. But I didn't really realize how much I liked it until the second season came out, which I was looking forward to because I liked the first season. But when I put in the disc for the first season and watched the first episode of the girls getting back together, and how excited they were to get back together. I was grinning ear to ear. I was just gleeful. I'm like, I'll be danged. I guess I liked these girls more than I thought I did. I was just so happy for them. And they were so happy for each other and having a good time. And like, I'll be dang. This show is just fun. And it's not just me. Gosh darn. <laughs> Golly gee. <laughs> Golly. It's almost. Those crazy kids. <laughs> it's not just me. Uh, reviewers, other people I've, I know watch the show said, yeah, that's a really fun show. It's become more than just that fan service show. It's become a show that people think happily of and they buy the figures for and cool stuff like that. Though I'm, I'm not a figure collector or anything, but I really wanted that wall scroll. <laughs> I really did. Now, if I recall, one of the reasons you really wanted that wall scroll is because it was one of the few that wasn't fan service. Right. Yep. Uh, they tend to be pretty fan service if they're strike witches, uh, merchandise, but that one was just an, a, a nice overall one. The thing is, I don't mind having fan service ones, but I can't really put them up in my house. I mean, normally I think I could, but then I have little nieces and nephews coming over and stuff like that. And like, yeah, and that shouldn't be up. You can always have the room. <laughs> the one that's locked, right? <laughs> Don't go back there. All right. Come look at this room. See, I'm not totally weird at all. This is where I keep all my etchy stuff. Ooh. Yeah. No. Why is there plastic on the floor? <laughs> Don't turn on the black light. I once heard somebody say that a good series is one that you're glad you watched. A great series is one that you're glad it was made. I can't say Strike Witches is in the latter category, but it's definitely in the first. I definitely enjoyed watching it, first and second seasons, and I'm really looking forward to more. That's all I have to say about it. Jordan, if anything to add? <laughs> I am apparently in that 1% that uh, there's nothing redeeming about this show. <laughs> 
I had no connection at all with any of the characters. I could care less about the Neuroi. These would be the aliens. <laughs> they were beyond pasted on. Yes, it's the misadventures of the girls, and the Neuroi weren't really the point. But no, no. There have been so many better ways to not have a point than the Neuroi, uh, especially when coming to the end of the or the middle of the second season where she starts palling around with the one Neuroi. They were attempting to try to make them relevant for some reason. And then the warlock. Uh, no, <laughs> no, there was nothing here that intrigued me or appealed to me at all. And then the whole fan service side of it, especially the, well, you know, the older girls that, that didn't bother me so much, but the young girl, the, the main, what's her name, who is purported to be 12 or 13 in the story, maybe 14, but she got the biggest jigglies of all. And everybody's pawing on her all the time. And as we discussed, panty shots left, right, and center. And again, as I'm no prude, but there's a whole cultural thing here that definitely <laughs> hit some barrier that I was not aware I had. <laughs> uh, um, cause it's not a couple of them. It wasn't just panty shot. It was, they went to the trouble of doing camel toe. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, there's just nothing there. I don't know. And that's good for the people that think they know me. That's really surprising. I know, but there's just nothing here that did it for me. I thought the story was weak. I thought the enemy was weak. I thought the misadventures of the girls was weak. There was just, I, I could care less about your little sister that got lost in Finland. I don't care about your Luftwaffe ties and your plane that went down. I don't, I don't care about your missing father. Actually, that's the only thing I cared about was the missing father. And they just wrote that off in the last ep. They, like boom why are you going to britain i want to find my father i got a letter from him but he's been dead for like 10 years and here's this letter i'm going to britain to find out what happened to my dad well your dad helped develop the strike uh, the strike jets oh well that's interesting i'll have to talk to him about that because i hate violence and war Ooh, here's the, the 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 conundrum that i'm going to be in okay that's all pretty simple dad where's dad we're just going to do the rest of the series without dad. Everything's going to be resolved. And then I think they realized as they're doing the final credits, holy shit, we didn't do anything with dad. Here's another letter from dad. <laughs> no, there's nothing here that I liked. Sorry. <laughs> I got nothing in general against fan service. I, even the silly up in high school of the dead, I thought was silly, not bad, silly, good, silly, but. Did you ever watch the season two is coming? Haven't I returned that yet? Oh, did did you borrow it? I don't yeah. remember. I don't know if you returned it either. I don't know. I have yeah. to, I'll have to track that down before I leave then. <laughs> but this is just, I'm not going to say distasteful because it wasn't distasteful. It was just uh, on that she's, note. <laughs> she's 13. <laughs> Jordan wants to know when he can get the next disc. <laughs> <laughs> no, no I, not at all. I understand. Uh, your reaction. That's why I wanted to talk in great detail about it. That's why it became in really great detail. <laughs> You're the only one that I've known that's watched it and didn't like it. Yes. Not no. that I've known a lot of people, but I've known a few. And, and it's not just this, the, the sexuality of the characters. It's that was the core of that show, but there was just nothing else around it to really. And that's the whole genre, which I wanted to do something. The characters were weak. For. The story was weak. There was just nothing there that pulled me in. Apparently, it, I don't, you know. In general, the fan service type show, the one that exists for the fan service, that's like it. It'll have some sort of rapper 
maybe interesting characters, but it's it's really just there just to have fun with fan service, primarily. That's the type of show it is, and there's a whole bunch of them out there. Some better than others. I'll tell you that. <laughs> and I couldn't think of any that I thought were like amazing or truly great. It was just like, no, that's the kind of show it is. It's just simple and fun. All right, you too good? You guys work out your differences. We'll hug it out later. <laughs> Uncomfortable. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> All right. So what do we got coming up next then? Uh, next time I'd like to talk about Fruits Basket. Yeah. That one we already know Jordan likes. <laughs> There's the right balance of jigglies and <laughs> and story there for me, apparently. <laughs> very, very little fan service. In, none. Uh, in almost, the, yeah. no, none really in, in Fruits Basket. It's, it's a very different kind of story. <laughs> That would definitely have been creepy. <laughs> no, some shows do, like like Fruits Basket, will squeeze in lots of fan service, and it just doesn't work. It's like you're detracting from the show. That's kind of what High School of the Dead did for me. It detracted yep. me a bit from the show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we're not going to necessarily go over everything we're watching although if there's something that you really want to talk about definitely do that but again going with the favorites and maybe least favorite kind of things what was the highlight for you this past year jordan on the visual side in the theaters i think it was definitely winter soldier that i think is my favorite movie of the year although there was a lot of geek and non-geek things that i saw that i liked and on the small screen side came pretty late to the game but i power watched everything for continuum this summer and i really like that and not just because it's a showcase production it's actually really really good what do you got don on the movie side between winter soldier and guardians of the galaxy i love them both for different reasons thought they were both (laughs) he flips the laptop (laughs) please don't object to that you're supposed to be a geek (laughs) in terms of the non-big screen stuff I think the one that stands out to me the most is Hunter x Hunter, which I watched the last third of as now off the air. And it completely blew me away. It's almost one piece levels of a just pure awesomeness. Big screen. I get, I'm with you. Winter Soldier. I, I'd said it before. That was to me that trumped Guardians of the Galaxy. Even though Guardians of the Galaxy was an awesome, fun movie, Winter Soldier was just the right mix of everything for me and and was right now my favorite Marvel movie, let alone things that I've seen in the theater or in general watching crap here. Uh, And Don and I talked a little bit before you got here, but you know, Megan and I went through a power watching movie marathon this this weekend, trying to get stuff off the shelf. Uh, But definitely winter soldier that I just love that movie. It was, it was so well done and you could easily just rip, most of the superhero stuff out of that and still have a really good movie. Mm-hmm. Small screen. I don't know. I've, I think I gotta, I'm gonna stick with, uh, cause uh, one, it's gonna be one of the last few times I can ever talk about it because it's almost over. Sons of Anarchy is an amazing Ooh. show. Love that show. Jordan's a jackass, Ooh. which is why we're, he's getting replaced next year, but we'll talk about that later. <laughs> I don't like his TV show reviews. I just. <laughs> But Sons of Anarchy has just been awesome, and there's like two episodes left, I think. And then then I don't know what Megan and I are going to do. We're going to go through withdrawals. It's going to suck. But that has been an awesome show. Person of <laughs> interest. Yeah, Sons of Anarchy is a... Is, there's many people of interest in that show. <laughs> uh, 
Yacker. All right. On the weak side, though, what's been a, a potential disappointment for you this past oh, <laughs> Oculus. That just, <laughs> that was just a slap in the balls, that was. <laughs> and on the TV side, wow, Scorpion. I think <laughs> That's right. That took eight minutes for me to want to turn it off. That was horrible. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You have a, a letdown for you? Well, the one I had the highest expectations for would be Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I was hoping for something at least decent out of that. And the first season wasn't. Though Actually, the second season is significantly better than the first. Again, when you bury the bar, it's not hard to step over it. I don't think there was a bar. <laughs> that was the one I came in with expectations for. I've certainly seen my share of bad shows like uh, Want to Be the Strongest in the World, which was just repulsively bad. But it's not like I went in with certain expectations like I did with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. wanting to be something else for the Marvel Universe and just being a flat show. I agree with Also, that. as yes. an end-of-year disappointment for the big screen, Warner Brothers announced their Suicide Squad cast today. <laughs> yes, I saw oh, that. Oh, they did? Yeah, yes. I saw that, and that was actually like one of the few reasons I was upset we weren't doing Geek News. Because <laughs> <laughs> I figured you would just... Just Jared Leto as the Joker, a whole bunch of other people I've never heard of as characters that probably shouldn't be in this movie at this time. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go Bane ahead. as Rick Flagg. So what since we've got Rick Flagg, heck? we know we're not getting Amanda Waller. And then Will Smith. Go for it. As Deadshot. <laughs> now, just before y'all accuse me of being racist, it's not because he's black. It's because he can't act and he can barely rap. That's why I don't want him doing Deadshot. You don't have to really do a lot this Deadshot. Read a comic from the 80s. Okay. Deadshot is an excellent character, and Deadshot has lore to him. Given a chance to have good writing, which one would have hoped they were going to shoot for <laughs> until they announced this cast, he could have been an excellent figure that could have spun off into a very good standalone series of movies. But now it's just going to be a vehicle for a soundtrack. <laughs> I'm going to go see it and I'm going to hate myself <laughs> for it. I don't know why they're doing that movie in the first place. It just hasn't made sense to me. Well, okay. That's bullshit. <laughs> that movie will be amazing if done right. It's not. No, I'm saying it could be amazing oh, if done right. Been. I can agree with you, but like marketing wise, you'd think you'd want to introduce your villains into the universe first. And then do a movie about them. Now, you're talking about <laughs> Warner and DC. So you must understand why you're wrong. <laughs> or more importantly, why you are right. To be wrong. Yes. <laughs> now I'm confused. Exactly. They can't <laughs> plot themselves. If they had a pick and a wet paper bag and a plot synopsis, they couldn't plot themselves out of a wet paper bag with that pick. They shit all sorts of stuff onto a wall, and they came out with 15 movies over the next five years, and then they decided, if they can do Guardians, <laughs> we can do our B team, but they can barely get their A team together. <laughs> this is horrible casting, and I agree with you. It shouldn't be done now. That, that was it my point. You got it any time in the next five years. They're still trying to establish their universe and actually make it profitable. Why go this direction so fast they can't get the justice league together they can barely decide where they want their division between tv and the movies 
Oh, that's... <laughs> and now they're poaching both verses, but with different actors for same <laughs> characters. The upside, we got Deadshot, one of my favorite anti-heroes. Okay, awesome. Gonna get Boomerang. Okay, except we're already getting a Boomerang. Mm-hmm. We've already got a Deadshot. Mm-hmm. Getting one, Harley too. Quinn. I've never liked her in the Suicide Squad, either version of it. She's not Suicide Squad material. She would flip the bird to Waller and walk away and dare her to pop the bomb in her neck. And now we got Jared Leto as the Joker. And if you're not going to, as you say, establish the history of your villains, who cares about Harley Quinn and the Joker if you're not familiar with that from the Batverse? Exactly. Exactly. And it's Rick Flagg. I mean, really? Yeah, he was an interesting character once, but the squad now is defined more by Waller. Not that twiggy little Waller on (laughs) Arrow, but the wall. So no, I hold out what little hope I had for the DCCU has has just been crushed a little bit more. Still going to see it. Yeah. I, I know we would I know we would never get it, but I would love an old old school team suicide squad oh, yeah. too. The Austriander 80s team. Yeah. Yeah. But don't I get know, me wrong, I, I love the idea of a suicide squad movie. I really do, but marketing-wise I don't understand it at all. You know, I would even I would even be fine with lifting straight out of Arrow. That yeah. suicide squad and doing something with the, with that mm-hmm. team. It would be a lot cheaper than Will yeah. Smith. <laughs> Warner should have realized from the get-go that with, with Arrow's success, they can build on that and, and, and make something more of their movies, but I don't understand why they're just pushing it away. I'm fine with them making the division if they want to, like TV Universe, and you know we, we're not going to completely be Marvel. You know That's fine. But the way they've kind of gone about some of it is just kind of ridiculous. It causes a very basic problem of now you have two to compare against yeah. simultaneous. Yeah. Right? One's going to well, lose. Yeah. And especially, what's his name? Gustin. Hey, you're the Flash. Mm-hmm. Woohoo. You're going to get a whole new show. Oh, by the way, you, you've got a show for two weeks now. We got this whole other Flash. Yeah. They, I mean, it was even like, they didn't they announce it even before the first episode? Might have been. It, I, it, I think it was. I think it was like. Definitely the, stepped new, on new, his Yeah. Moments. They completely stepped all over the new show. It's like you've put all this time and energy into getting the show. You don't even give it a season. You don't even give it a first episode to let it, you know, become this is your, this is your first look at a Flash. You're like, oh, by the way, not him. Big Flash on the big screen. Although, I just watched Sabotage today, the latest Schwarzenegger action flick, (laughs) which was directed by David Ayer, who I believe is the director for Suicide Squad. So that's a positive. They got a good director. Sabotage was a nice, violent movie. And the squad, if done right, especially with Deadshot, should be an R-rated movie. If it is, there's hope, but I can't imagine it's going to be. You know, oh, um, and keep watching Constantine. I haven't, that's piled up. I haven't watched it yet. Oh, that just to everybody. Yeah. Uh, have you not heard? No, and, I, 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 NBC heard. says I heard. We're, we haven't re, we haven't reordered after the first 13, but if you keep watching it and give us good ratings, we might do something else, which I'd heard. I, I've actually heard it's a, it's a okay show, but I agree with, with the podcast. I, I believe it was on BJ Shea. I think it was Brandon Jura that was talking about it. So the, he was talking about how. He just wasn't hearing anything about it. And I haven't either, really. I mean, you know, it's one of those shows like it was kind of pumped up to start with. And then 
nobody seems to be talking about it. So he's like, well, I hope people Friday are still watching Chinese it. Is, yeah. What were they thinking? And unfortunately for us, it's like, it's piled up. I want to watch it. I'm not, I have a feeling maybe Megan's not on board because every time she's like, well, what? To, it's just, she scrolls right by it and goes to something else. So I have a feeling I'm just going to have to ask her, should I just watch those? <laughs> well, they're doing it the same time as Flash and Gotham. Yeah. So it's like you're competing against yourself really here. Which is one of the things I wanted to bring up because I looked at my list and thought about that. That Gotham is actually one of my big surprises for the last year because I didn't think I would like it. And I love that show. It's It's been a, a, a fun show to watch and it's been great. And Alfred is a badass. So I've, I've loved that show. That's actually, you know, Arrow I've liked. I've always liked. I thought that was a good show. So The Flash, I kind of knew I mean, it would be a fun show to watch. And Gotham, I just kind of went, nah, this, this is going to suck. Uh, <laughs> yes. And I've loved that show and the, the characters coming up and, and watching kind of the penguins transition has been uh, a lot of fun. And, and, uh, Edward Nigma and everybody, I mean, all the, all the characters and, you know, pre them being who they become. It's actually been a, a good cop drama show too. So I've been enjoying that one. That was, that was a surprise for me. You know, I don't know if I've got a ton that I want to say for, you know, that I haven't enjoyed. Uh, obviously, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., everybody's fully aware of that. Thank you for bringing it up again, Anthony, today. <laughs> so, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., obviously, I mean, I, like I was talking today, I, you know, everybody keeps talking about, oh, you gotta, you gotta watch that second half. It's like, I put 13, 14 episodes in. If you haven't caught me by 13, 14 episodes, I don't care what you do after that. And it does kind of bother me a little bit that the show is like, here's our new guest star. Here's our new big name. Here's, you know, it's, it's just, you're trying too hard. <laughs> you're trying too hard to win me back. It's not going to happen because you sucked for 13, 14 episodes. <laughs> I'm not coming back. So that's been, uh, obviously a disappointment. The one thing I'm going to say that was a surprise and, and not like, I'm not going to watch this anymore or anything like that, but you and I have kind of talked about it a bit, but Dr. Who this last season of Dr. Who really surprised me as far as how average to below average it was. Like we've, we talked about when we were talking about every, uh, every uh, episode is I don't have a wow moment. I don't have a, if you didn't watch this season, if you watch one episode this season, watch this. I didn't have that. I know you had a couple that, that you thought were pretty amazing. I didn't enjoy him as much uh, as you did. And I just found it to be fairly average and a bit disappointing. But like I said, for me, there was three apps mm-hmm. out of the whole season. They happen to be back to back to back, <laughs> but everything after whatever, yeah, they really stuck with me. I can't remember yeah, exactly. the name of the <laughs> three weeks in a row. We've talked about it. And I still can't remember the name <laughs> of the third app. So awesome app. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently it's the uh, amnesia app, <laughs> but yeah. So I I'm nowhere near giving up on Doctor Who or anything like that. But I was very surprised that I at least didn't get one or two. Oh, that's that's an amazing app right there. I didn't get any of that. This you know, they last they season. gave him at least as a character Capaldi. They gave him a different Doctor. Mm-hmm. We've had too much shiny happy between Eccleston <laughs> and and Capaldi. So it's nice to see a person and not a caricature of a time word. If the Christmas special rumor happens and Clara's gone, yay, there's, <laughs> I was well and truly tired of her. 
Hopefully we get another strong companion. Clara was annoying, but at least she she had some meat to her. Other companions recently have been a little bit more bland. Amy Bond. So for the continuation of the series, yeah, they gave him a good baseline. Now let's get him some good writing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it's it's somewhat important to point out, at least anybody that might be potentially wondering this, listen to this. I go back old school Doctor Who as well. So it's not like I came in and discovered Doctor Who, the shiny happy, you know, that we got the, the, the Eccleston and, the, and Matt Smith and the tenants and all that stuff. I've been watching Doctor Who since I was a kid. Uh, so it's, it's not a new thing to me. And that wasn't like, it's not like my first doctor, you know, that's that syndrome. So it wasn't that I, I was looking for yeah, my first doctor's dead. <laughs> Suck it up people. <laughs> <laughs> For real, not just a regeneration. <laughs> uh, so that's not the factor for me either. And I was looking forward to this potential new take on the doctor. And I was looking forward to seeing other people's reaction to it because, you know, there is that whole question of are we going to lose the uh, a certain segment of the fans because they came in during the pretty boy era, <laughs> you will. And unfortunately, it just didn't work for me either this season. I mean, it, and again, it's average. I mean, I, it was tolerable. I, I got through it, but I just don't have a wow moment. And that's unfortunate to me. So, Oh, uh, and then on bad, I, I mentioned this online uh, and we have, I haven't talked about it here, but I've been power watching it, but Portlandia. No, uh-uh, no, no, no. I'm done with that. I think I've, I think I watched eight or nine episodes. I don't know why I went that far. Uh, I will say again, coupling. Yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll give it a shot. I'll, I'll look it up because I do need something new to power watch at night now before I go to bed because Portlandia is definitely off my list. I, wow, <laughs> I am not part of the in crowd apparently because I hear so much good stuff about that show and from beginning to episode eight or nine, I was like, there's nothing redeemable about this at all. I found nothing humorous here at all. Not like BMS, that that font of culture, and <laughs> that show was awesome. Though. Blue Mountain State was a great show for what it was. Dreams. <laughs> All right. So on the uh, reading and listening side, we probably should give a a nice shout out to we're alive it's over now we weren't necessarily all that happy about the ending (laughs) uh if you recall but that was definitely one ruined my childhood (laughs) (laughs) Totally. (laughs) i'll never look at a zombie the same way but that was one we obviously thoroughly enjoyed and talked about every time we got a chance to talk about a new chapter so that was uh kind of sad to see that one go kind of kept keep keep hoping that maybe they'll do something in the similar vein I haven't really heard much lately. And it was very weird timing that they joined the Nerdist during their final season. <laughs> the Nerdist Network. That was so bizarre to me. Like, they had already said that they, this is it, we're done. Hey, now we're part of the Nerdist Network. It <laughs> was so weird. A little bit more pub for both of us. <laughs> yeah. Final season, go out with a big bang. <laughs> There's that one. Um, But what do you got for your reading and or listening? Anything on the favorite side? On the fave side for the reading slash nestling was definitely, you know what? I was going to say the Dresden book that came out, Skin Game, but I've changed my mind. It's actually uh, the latest Brandon Sanderson book in the Stormlight Archives. Book two came out in the 
snowy season. And that was like 1,100 pages well spent. Electronically, anyways. <laughs> I'm never going to carry a book that big. But yeah, the Stormlight Archive, uh, book two, definitely just killed it. Continued the story. I had a couple issues with one of the characters, but eh, I mostly redeemed her by the end. Totally enjoyed it. On the dislike side, I just finished... Huh, this was a mistake. I just finished <laughs> Tarkin, the... Uh, Turducken? Turducken. Turducken would have been better. Tarkin. This was uh, one of the first in new canon Star Wars books. And it's about Tarkin and how he came to be Grand Moff. And I wanted to read it because I thought it would be an intellectual challenge. Because here we go. We've got the Emperor. You went to Star Wars for an intellectual challenge. No, 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 no. Not, not the content, but, well, te- yeah, the content. You've got whole deeper. No, 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 no. Here was the premise. Tarkin, his early childhood, how he gets to the Death Star. Okay. But what is Tarkin? Tarkin is the man that controlled Vader as a proxy for the Emperor. The Emperor, if we go back to the original Star Wars trilogy, and this is why I am amused by a black stormtrooper, if we go back to the Empire in the original trilogy, it was just an analog for Nazi Germany. You had Hitler, Goebbels, and Goering. Let's just call that the triumvirate. So here we are in the book Tarkin, trying to make, we'll say he was Goebbels, a vaguely, you know, sympathetic character. Why are we writing a book about the guy that wanted to dis- design and build the ultimate super weapon? And what are we doing to make this a goal that the reader is going to want to see achieved <laughs> beyond it's a f- bookmark between the crappy prequels and the original trilogy? Why are we doing this? That's what I wanted to see. Was there any redeemable thing about Tarkin? Before Peter Cushion walked onto the screen holding his chin. Turns out, no. He's a hillbilly. <laughs> he went into politics. He was helped along by Palpatine. And, yeah, his philosophy was kill them until they agree with you. There was really nothing here. And then there was these ridiculous scenes where Turk and Vader were working together. And it was like the evil buddy cop movie. It's... <laughs> They've stolen my ship. We must destroy them utterly. How are we going to do this? And then it turns into Keystone Cops for a while, as suddenly the greatest military genius and the second strongest user of the Force in the galaxy get duped at every turn. It was just a ridiculously horrible book. I wanted it to at least to give me something about Tarkin that would be interesting. Not necessarily redeem him, but show me how he got to be... Peter Cushing. And they didn't. It was just a horrible book. On the plus side, you could say it surprised you. You didn't expect many of that thing. That is true. I was not <laughs> expecting anything this bad. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I gave it two stars on Goodreads. You can go look at it. I regret that second star. <laughs> no take backs. <laughs> <laughs> Your finger left the mouse button. <laughs> Oh, I can go at it. No, no. <laughs> That's, yeah, that was my reading and listening. Don, you got anything you want to? Uh, books? What's that? Yeah. I know you don't read a lot. That, it's, um, it's not your, uh, that book on Python programming. That's been a fascinating read. <laughs> yeah, but how does that compare to the Pearl? You know, because I thought the Pearl was really disappointing. <laughs> 
<laughs> I've read that one. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, overall for reading, I didn't do a whole lot of heavy reading this past year. Which rule book was my favorite? <laughs> I don't know. Though. I mean, I got, we talked about it a little bit and Mike talked about it. I mean, Rat Queens has obviously been uh, a, a pretty happy one for us that we followed with. And well, that's your upchurch's wife. <sighs> really? <laughs> had to go there. Like he's going to hear it. <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> Why are you sure always crushing my dreams? <laughs> well, even if he used to listen, I think he has bigger problems right now. Uh, and Saga, of course, yeah. has, has been an excellent read. You know, it, it, it's too easy to kind of go with The Walking Dead. I mean, obviously, we're, it, we've enjoyed that. Yeah, we one don't do the laying of root here. Just we've enjoyed that one all the time. I don't know. I mean, and over, I, I, I was happy that I finally, like I said, I borrowed lock and key from you and ended up buying the final volume myself to finish it and some one shots. So that was a lot of fun. That was actually a really good series. And just in draw, I did continue on with, with suicide risk. I, I said I might and I decided I did and I got a, a few more uh, issues of that uh, and I'm still enjoying that one as well. So yeah. Yeah. I didn't talk about comics on the comic side. My biggest enjoyment this year, despite its release schedules and pacing problems was the forever evil event, which for me who absolutely hates events is actually fairly high praise and a disappointment though. Was, okay. <laughs> it's a two part disappointment. A, that they let Suicide Squad get as bad as it did. Cancel. I still have it. not read any of it yet. Don't. First 12, 13 issues really good, but then it gets caught up in everything else that's going on in the universe and it sucks. And then they relaunched it and I checked out a couple issues and it still sucks. So they canceled <laughs> it to relaunch it to, cause they, to just suck again, only starting <laughs> at one again. So. <laughs> so yeah, my. This point would probably would be Hawkeye since I mentioned since that <laughs> popped in my head when you said that. I just, I don't know. Everybody hyped Hawkeye. I know you really liked it. You're not alone. I know a lot of people liked it. It just did not click with me. You're the Strike Witches person. I am the Strike Witches person for Hawkeye. I don't know. Do we want to do a playing overall or outside of what we reviewed? Do you have uh, sure. something that sticks out? Definitely my two favorite games of the year that we didn't review were Skull and Shackles, the mm-hmm. new Pathfinder card game, and the D&D Attack Wing. And my biggest disappointment, though we did review it, but not disappointment in a bad way. It's more of a didn't uh-huh. live up to the hype, to my mind, was Dead of Winter. Mm-hmm. We reviewed it. Mm-hmm. As I said in the review, I did enjoy it. And I do want to play it some more. But to my mind, it definitely didn't live up to the hype. And there were far too many, well, they're not problems because there they weren't really problems. But there was just enough off with it to my mind that it just didn't live up to the hype of what I was expecting when you bought it. <laughs> Wasn't what I was expecting when you bought it. You, you didn't get your money's worth I out didn't. of it. <laughs> Imagine how From I feel. From that perspective, <laughs> damn, that was the best game of the year. I spent nothing on it and got some excellent plays. <laughs> <laughs> what do you got? Anything or? Well, I already talked about it. You kind of, yours kind of lumped in to right. both sections. So I've been trying to think of disappointment. <laughs> I just can't think of one. I spent so much of my time teaching games to people that, like you. That prison game from Jeff King. You could. <laughs> it was a prototype. You, you got to be fair to it, right? It's disappointing games. It's just like. I remember when this game sucked, but now it's awesome. <laughs> 
there's nothing that stands out in my mind as something that I, that I played this year new and I was like, ugh, I just don't like it at all. I'm sure there's something and I've forgotten it because I didn't like it. I think, let's see, for me, Pathfinder Adventure Card Game was huge. I haven't played Shackles yet. Uh, so I, I can't say that one, but obviously the Pathfinder Adventure Card Game was the game is one of the few games I actually enjoy playing even solo. Uh, so that was a huge one for me. I, I soloed through that quite a bit at the old place. Uh, I used to play it quite a bit. And then I have to say for uh, one of the other things I think for us was a, a big surprise for us was remember what, when we first played War Mage? Or, I'm sorry, Mage Wars? Mage Wars, yes. <laughs> Mage Wars was... No, War Mage hasn't been released yet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mage Wars was a huge surprise, I think. It was almost Disc Wars-like for us mm-hmm. as well because that was another one that we... not We weren't scoffing like we were with Disc Wars, but at least for me, it was one that I had kind of just kind of skirted around quite a bit and, and was like, oh, yeah, okay. Because for me, I'm not necessarily a huge fan of Summoner Wars. And I just kind of got that vibe. So I was like, mm, I'm I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. And then we finally got to play it. And I was like, why haven't we been playing this the whole time? So that was a huge, nice moment for us too. I, I always like it when we get things like that or we get to attempt things like that where it's like, uh, I don't think I'm going to like this or something, or this probably isn't going to be, this may be an average game at best. And then we really end up enjoying it. So, and that was definitely one for us. It was coming in. I was like, okay, it, it, it's probably going to be okay, but you know, whatever. I don't think it'll live up to the hype. And then we are like, oh, why haven't I been playing this since day one? <laughs> so Mage Wars was a great one for that. And again, Pathfinder Adventure Card Game. I just... There are not a lot of games that I like to play solo, even games that are, are meant to play solo. And there are very few. I, I, I mean, I can think of maybe two or three off the top of my head, uh, that I'm willing to do that with. Disappointment though. I don't know if I have anything for that off the top of my head. I would probably have to go dead of winter as well, but I don't think I, I think I would have to go dead of winter because that should be in my wheelhouse. And you're right. I mean, it's, we didn't hate it. It wasn't like, it's not a game that instantly needs to come out of my collection. Uh, but there were things that I, I think it just lacked just enough to pull me in to make it 100% in my wheelhouse. So I, I, I'd go there with you. Yep. I'll take you there with me. <laughs> hand in hand. <laughs> Let it go. Don't. The zombies never bothered me anyway. <laughs> So we haven't actually talked about if we had favorite moments <laughs> and keep your least favorite moments to yourself. <laughs> no. <laughs> How about Don as a uh, also listener you, and feel free to jump on the bandwagon and say all of anime Don segments. <laughs> <laughs> I stroke yourself. That's fine. <laughs> I can't, everybody else does. I can't listen to those happily. You know, the whole can't like your own voice thing. Oh, I know it well. (laughs) I listen to it. I'm like, oh, oh." my favorite moment, the one that's going to stick with me the most from here on out wasn't actual recording of the podcast, but the first time I came down here to the new geek compound Mm. and see the new, all the new stuff, the new setup, how everything's going to be. I was like, wow, this instead of that temperature challenged little bedroom. Going to like something that's more that's like still, a studio that still had a bed in it. That still had that a bed. We, we were we were crowded around, you don't like alternately sweating or freezing your balls off. Sometimes in the same month, 
that, for the same day, same recording. <laughs> that always felt like a little side hobby that we're doing. When it came down here, it felt like this is much bigger thing. This is something we're very serious about. So to me, that that really stuck out, and it will stick in my head. All I had to do was buy a house. <laughs> Don thinks we're professional we're now. <laughs> I'm easy to please. <laughs> No, 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 I don't you, think that's no, I don't, I don't, no, I don't think that's really how that works. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I the geek compound is obviously a source of pride for me, and not in a like vain way. It's just it's a comfortable thing. It is nice to have the space, like you said. It is nice that uh, we're not all you know. Well, you know, we can't record this week, guys. Somebody might be staying over. <laughs> Use the Use the spare bedroom. I mean, we no, no. go back to sleep. <laughs> yeah. We'll we'll be done. <laughs> it, snoring. It was you know it it was what Megan and I had at the time and and what we could do and this is just that yeah that next level and and I really like it and it's it's been good to us so far and uh, you know I look forward to doing more uh, uh, game weekends and stuff in the future as well. I know we've had a couple people ask about even out of state ask if uh keep them in the loop so they can come back uh, or come to their first one even uh so that's awesome uh, it's looking at you mike <laughs> other mike <laughs> actually that's not who i was talking about but i know i've, I've invited mike <laughs> to one day drive if you drive fast we have plenty of guest rooms <laughs> so yeah i i'm pretty happy with this overall setup and i i love you know again this is for two people that would usually hire somebody to do any kind of laborish work. Megan and I did all the shelves ourselves and we're pretty damn proud of that. So we spent that sound you didn't hear was Don clapping (laughs) (laughs) with that level of enthusiasm. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So do you have anything that you kind of can think of as a favorite ish moment for this? Uh, It was not an all us geeks moment, but it was a good guy. Why not? We've already had two of those from other people that supposedly listen. (laughs) It was a geek cast network moment, though. And I had a lot of fun while it lasted. Uh, And I could. While it lasted. (laughs) With the Almost podcast. Okay. Yeah. That, again, he said it earlier, or I said it earlier, but that was one we wish did not end. And it wasn't from our doing. Uh, unfortunately, the almost human did not come back, even though I am still getting the tweets about <laughs> saving it over on the GeekCast network. That guy is consistent. I'll give him that. He's and persistent and stubborn and <laughs> not in touch with reality. <laughs> There's a little bit of that. <laughs> but, you know, I think all of us miss that. I, I think Mike misses it as well. But I do think it was a good launching point for Mike. I think it was good for him to kind of get in and, and get his feet wet there. Because you kind of hear it in the early episodes of Royal Monster Battalion where Mike's pretty fine. Jeff's still getting his mic legs, if you will. And now he's getting to a point where he's comfortable on the mic as well. So it's been fun listening to those guys kind of go as well. For me overall, again, the GeekCast Network in general, we talked about that earlier. It's it, it, That growth comes from us doing all us geeks as, as long as we've been doing it and uh, putting the time in here. So that wouldn't exist and we wouldn't have people like Geeks of the North and Rolling Dice and Taking Names and Royal Monster Battalion and the Game Huntress and Broken Prison Reviews, all these uh, wonderful other people that belong to the network now. Uh, and it's not just things with my voice on it anymore, you know. Not which, the King Cast Network anymore. No, no. 
which it was never meant to be. And so I'm glad, but, uh, and again, it, it was stuff like Mike bringing Royal Monster Battalion online and, and wanting to be part of the network that made me go, okay, it's, it's time to actually maybe get serious about that piece. Cause up until then it pretty much was, oh yeah, if I have another podcast, I'll, it'll be on our network. <laughs> Cause it'll obviously be geek related <laughs> if I do anything in the recording format. So that's been a lot of fun. One of the things I did kind of think about as far as the podcast itself, I really enjoyed when we had Scott Morris on interviewing him about him taking the position at Arcane Wonders, partially because I know Scott a bit from being, you know, from Crits Happen and, and being Toxin, the game reviewer over there. Plus we got to interact with, did you interact with him that much at Gen Con? No. I know I did. So I hung out with him a bit, quite a bit at Gen Con. Great guy. So when he approached us, and we weren't alone. He was doing the podcast circuit, obviously. But when he approached me to talk about, can you know, can I come on? Okay, uh, I'm going to ask a dumb question. Okay. But it's just because. <laughs> oh, we love those here. <laughs> was the Game Sleuth interview this year? Um. Okay, don't feel so dumb if you're thinking about it, too. <laughs> yeah, I that that's a good question. That's a good question. I think it might have been. Geeks related. Early. That was that was one of the interviews I was m- most excited to to get on the show. Yeah, that was one of the few times that you came and hung out for for that side of the mm-hmm. the interview side. It might it might have been. Do you recall that at all? If that was that this year? Everything close together yeah. now. It's too well, that, that, I mean same here. But that that was a good that was a good, I, I don't remember us talking about it last year. <laughs> You would have brought it up if it would have been. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Having Dan on, that was, that was a good one as well. And that was one of those things where it, it spawned off of, there's a couple reasons that that was kind of cool. One, it's kind of cool because there are a couple people that started putting me on speed dial and were like, Hey, Jeff, what's your opinion of this? And one of them was, Hey, what's your opinion of game salute? And instead of, you know, obviously if, if you ask me a question, you're going to get an answer. And I always say, don't ask me a question if you don't want an answer, <laughs> but it just got me thinking. And I, and I had multiple people asking me that it's like, and I know at the time where some of the confusion came in is because game salute has a tiered service. And a lot of people don't understand that. Uh, so that was, I was like, Hey, I'm just going to reach out. I mean, if, if enough people are asking me, then I'm going to ask, Dan to come on and, and tell us more about game salute and hear it directly from him uh, and take the questions, you know, that people want, want us to ask and ask them directly to him. So that was, that was a lot of fun to have, have him on. And uh, it was a lot of fun having you involved because, you know, you don't always get to uh, schedules or schedules. So you don't always get to sit down on, on all of those, but it was fun, fun to have you kind of in with us. And, and you had uh, some great questions as well. And, we got to talk to Dan and got to hear all about Game Salute. And I think that was a good service. I, I, I still want to, I've talked to him. Aldo wants to come on or has potential to come on too from impressions because his service is completely a different type of a service. And I think people are confused about that because I think a lot of people approach him thinking they're like a Game Salute or something like that. He turns a lot of people away. And I've actually seen, you know, not huge negative you know, negative, negative, but people are just like, oh yeah, well, you know, they don't bother because they've turned me away for this and not understanding that he's more on the dis- distributive t- side. Mm-hmm. So I'd still like to make that happen sometime, but yeah, having Scott on, I mean, like I said, I've known Scott off and on and then hanging out with him at Gen Con and then him kind of saying, Hey, can I come on to make this announcement about my new job? That was, that was kind of cool. Yeah. 
Plus, you know, they've been kind of a friend of the podcast since. I mean, we got to do a, a early look at, at one of the expansions on the YouTube channel and all that good stuff. They've, they've been good to us. So that, that was a lot of fun. All right. So future type stuff. Should we talk about the future? Yes. Let us <laughs> what, lay it down in stone. What now. do you got? <laughs> <laughs> well, the future is. <laughs> well, first of all, obviously this is our end of year wrap up because we're not going to be doing our other one in, in December here. Cause Jordan is going back to the motherland, like we said before. So he's going to go back to Canada for a while and join us if they let him back in the States after the first of the year. Coming up into the first of the year, I mean, as far as I know, I don't remember. I mean, are we, we're still doing our first one in January, I think. To the best of my knowledge, yeah. whenever you'd Unless like to schedule happens. that first Tuesday. Well, it's, Not necessarily the first Tuesday, but the first Tuesday we record. Yeah, well, it's already there. <laughs> yeah, but we're not confirmed. and. I'm getting back on the second. I don't necessarily know that I'm going to want to record on the <laughs> sixth, but suck it up, man. Suck something. <laughs> oh, week. So we got that. I've kind of set it off and on through various things, but you know, obviously Sarah and I have been on hiatus a bit for the game of crowdfunding draft picks. And that's been a lot of my schedule. Uh, Cause work's been stupid. Jordan and I have had to cancel a couple of recordings as well. Uh, I've had to do some reschedules with some other people. Some people I've had to flat out not record with. Some people have had to flat out not record with me because they've had to cancel and I just didn't have the time to get them back in the schedule. And Sarah's had some health issues off and on and she seems to be doing better now as well. So my overall plan is hopefully I'm going to take the rest of December here to take a look at it, make sure it's something I can still fit in. Both Sarah and I are very interested in keeping the draft picks going. So hopefully January, I'm just going to start season four over. I mean, we only did one pick in season four this year before everything went to hell. So we'll hopefully do uh, draft picks again starting in January. But uh, her and I will have to have a conversation about that. And I have to look at the schedule, make sure it can fit it in. Uh, a couple other things we've already kind of announced. One of the things that we added already was the fact that we have the uh, game of crowdfunding written interviews on the website and those have been going well and going strong. I've got several more of those already lined up. So we will have more written content there. Uh, of course the takeaway was I'm doing less interviews on the audio side. And part of that is because of the potential scheduling conflict stuff. Somebody has to cancel on me or I have to cancel on them. And then I've really have been getting super stressed because I don't like one. I don't like to cancel on people and I try not to. And I usually don't unless it's absolutely necessary and it's work related usually. Uh, or if somebody cancels on me, I just did not have the time open to give anybody a reschedule. And when somebody's like, Hey, do you have time open? Do you have time open? Do you have time open? And I understand because they've got a project that they're trying to promote. But from my end, when I basically kind of go on, I don't have any time. That was my only open slot. And they're like, Hey, but has something opened up now? Some, you know, it's just like I get instantly super stressed mm -hmm. because I, I never want to say no to anybody if I can avoid it. That's kind of my thing. I, I, I'm trying to help these people out if I can. Unfortunately, I can't always do that. <laughs> so I had already, so I've cut back my schedule and that does allow me some leeway in hopefully rescheduling if need be. So that was one of the things I did. 
Jordan and I have talked about, I think briefly maybe mentioned it off and on. There is potential for a couple written reviewers coming on board. Uh, I've got somebody that is going to be sending me a written review. I've asked uh, a couple people to basically say, hey, go ahead and, and do a review as an intro to yourself to one of your favorite games. And as soon as we get those and take a look at them, we might be bringing on a couple people. That just kind of speaks again to the whole trying to get more things reviewed and not having to say no as much as I do right now because I say no a lot. <laughs> I easily turn down five to six things a day, which kills my soul <laughs> every day. I'm telling people no. Uh, so that part sucks. So uh, this is just a way for us to potentially do that. Obviously, we've got the video side of things going on, and I've put a, a set schedule in for those and a limit to how many I will do there. One of the other things I want to start doing in January is I've set aside one weekend a month to hit the free tub, the free queue tub. Uh, we've got a backlog. I've actually com- started completely turning away games that are not Kickstarter and or rushes. And I don't like that. Yeah. It's kind of nice for us maybe cause we might get a little bit of a cash out of it. <laughs> but not much. And there's, you know, if, if people are willing to wait in that queue, I want to be able to get them a review. But right now we've got so many things in our, you know, we've got a tub set aside that I put everything in that we need to review. With the food, all the geeks approved. All the geeks approved. I'll be doing a video for that one since our audio got hosed. So yeah, it's, you know, so once a month I've, I've set aside for at least one to two videos, depending on what else is going on to hopefully get through that tub. That and at least one of the reviewers coming on, I've already told them that if they, they want to, we, we can give them some of the backlog there as well. As long, you know, I, as long as I talk to a couple of people, which I've already talked to, you know, a lot of them are people I know over at the game crafter and stuff already. So, uh, they're just happy to get the review and have it on the all us geeks website in some form or fashion because then they get the accolade over at the game crafter. We have an accolade over there that people can put on their game page. So those are a couple things. Uh, the big thing I released today was that starting January 1, 2015, depending on when you're listening to this, <laughs> from the future, future or the past. Well, they're going to do that next year? No, we've already done it. <laughs> but we're changing the website ad uh, a bit and, and how, how that process works. And I explained it in the, the post I wrote today and, and put out, but just real quick, the way we have it right now is you can put an ad on our website. Uh, not only do you get the ad on the website, but I tend to share it out quite a bit off and on through our social media sites, giving people updates on where you're at, how many days you've got left, all that good stuff, just trying to get people to check it out. Plus, we've also got a network of individuals like uh, some of the members over at the club that tend to retweet our stuff and share it out with their followers as well. So it kind of goes through a chain and you get more than just an ad on the website. We actively promote your project as well. And the payment has always been, if you're successful, then you send us a, at least one copy of the game plus stretch goals. If you ever send us more, then that goes into our prize pool. And then when we pick it for a prize, we give you some extra PR there as well because we make sure people know that you gave it to us for a prize. So that has gone fairly well. Oh, and if you're unsuccessful, then you just owe us nothing. I mean, it's you, you, you didn't create a game. We're not going to make you create one game for us. <laughs> <laughs> you tried. 
And then if you relaunch, you could always come back and do the dance again. And hopefully you're successful on your second try. Unfortunately, I've got a small list that has been growing lately of people that have been successful, produced their games, shipped them to everybody but us. And I know of at least one person that did not give us one, but I know of somebody else in the tabletop media circuit that was putting out on their social media. Hey, I wasn't even expecting this. I did nothing for these guys and it was awesome. They sent us a game and we got nothing. (laughs) And I don't go after people. I don't pursue people. I just quietly keep my list. And I've had one person come back. And say, hey, our next thing. And I'm like, hey, your next thing isn't happening with all us geeks uh, because of this, unless you you come back that way. So my change is this. I, I've talked about this with several people. I talked about it with people that have actually considered using our services here in the future. And it's one of the fairest ways I can think of right now uh, that basically takes my need to keep a blacklist out of it because that's not how I want to function. That's not why I do this. That's not why I'm in the community. I don't want to think of the dark side of the community if I can, because I prefer to uh, hang out with all of the people that I think are helping each other and promoting and, and are, are generally good people. Uh, and some of these people that haven't given us things are probably generally good people. I just don't know where we fall in their spectrum of, recognition, I guess. I, I don't Down know. There. I don't know a good way to put that, I guess. But so here's the change. You can take out an ad with us. What the payment is going to be, and it's going to be an upfront payment now, is going to be uh whatever your pledge level is for the game plus stretch goals plus five dollars. So if you're if if you have a twenty five dollar pledge level that gets you the game and stretch goals, you give us thirty dollars. That gets you the ad that gets you us promoting it on social media like we always have. And I will pledge at that level. So if you're successful, we get our game because we're in the pledge system. Uh, so you'll, you'll basically get a pledge out of it too and potentially most of your money back. If you're unsuccessful, we're not going to refund. I mean, that's for our time and energy this time around. But if you relaunch, you won't have to repay us. We'll, we'll run the ad again, uh, and do the pledge level again if you relaunch. And the only thing. That would potentially cost you anything more as if for some reason you have a higher pledge level. And again, this is also you pay us by which pledge level you want us to pledge at. So if you decide you want a higher level pledge, uh, another tick mark in that higher level pledge, that's fine too. But that's what I'm doing going forward. That kind of, uh, you know, it's, it's not a money making thing by any means. It never has been. It's never been about that. But we do put time, effort, and energy. It's not like, again, you give me an image for our website and I never see your project again. I put time and effort into everybody that takes the time to advertise with us. I keep track of the games. I talk to people about the games. I share it on our social media. I appreciate people that advertise with us and I try to put forth the effort. And that's what this is all about then. And again, this takes out the you forgetting you, whatever it is that doesn't get us our end of the goal. So that is one of the changes going forward. Basically, I'll throw in a pledge with, with the money that you pay us for advertising. And if you're successful, then we get our game through that. 
and it takes out the middleman, I guess, in, in that instance, or puts the middleman in, however you want to, <laughs> however you want to look at it. So that is one of the big changes. Anything else you can think of that we've talked about? I mean, Patreon, of Patreon course. Patreon is the the other big thing. Yeah, Patreon. We've we've talked about that. We're going to uh, go forward with that once. I think once you get back, uh, we'll definitely sit down because we'll probably need, we'll make a video and all that stuff and we should talk about what kind of goals we're looking at milestones there and, and, and pledge levels. Uh, and we, we've talked briefly, but not a whole lot. The t-shirt thing. Yeah. I mentioned that earlier and I mentioned that last time we talked and for the t-shirts, one of the things that I was on the fence about for even doing it, other than the fact that we got to do 50 of them, which Okay, that'll be interesting to see if we hit. But I did uh, finally get a chance to talk to the company that we'd be using and find out what the that complimentary style thing was all about. And I did get confirmation back that we can actually do one campaign for the 50 shirts, but we can offer five different colors, basically. So originally, and a lot of the places I've been looking at were like, you know, one color per campaign which is ridiculous. When I was looking through their stuff and their fact, and I saw they had something about you actually have, you have to contact them to do it. They have to add it. You can't add it while you're setting it up, which is what made me look into it because when I was kind of going through the motions of setting one up, I could choose one color, but they'll add the other colors in. And then as long as it's all part of that one campaign and it's it's all together, uh, it's 50 shirts doesn't matter the color and all that good stuff. And that also then opens it up for me to be able to grab some extras too, because then we can have some to potentially maybe give away at some point in the future. So I think that about covers everything I can think of that we know off the top. Mm-hmm. Again, Geekcast Network, still growing, still look at growing that. I'm talking to another podcast right now. I've got a couple people that are potentially blogging. We added indie conquest in here recently i I talked about them i think last episode but uh that was a great resource that again is primarily run from jason glover for over at grain games and it's it's a resource for indie game designers that are looking to not i mean everything from kickstarter lessons and services to here's a list of manufacturers i've used here's a list of different printers and all that kind of stuff so it's a great little resource and they do some Blogging over there, there are four or five indie game designers that write over there off and on, uh, including a fellow reviewer, David from over to the, from to the table. So they do some game reviews over there as well. Chris Leader is part of that group as well. The, uh, uh, gentleman that created role for it over at Calliope Games. Uh, so there's, there's a lot of good resources over there. Uh, we will continue to grow the Geekcast network, but of course at the core, we will continue doing all us geeks because we're not done yet. And again, March is right around the corner. I know these are kind of close together, but you know, end of the year, we do our end of the year wrap up. March, eh, we do our, we do our pledge drive. So our pledge drive is coming up. And that was one of the conversations that Matt and I had pledge drive versus Patreon, which is better for us. I think was, you know, which, which would we more like to see? I'm fine with whatever. Our listeners are comfortable with, obviously. I mean, that's and end of the day, it's up to you. But one of the conversations that Matt and I were having was with the Patreon, it's more a stable knowing what's coming in uh, and what's getting paid for. So that's kind of like 
the foundation of knowing what we have to work with versus the pledge drive is once a year. We hope we get what we need to keep going for the year. Life support for Don. Life support for Don. Yeah. We got to get him back up and running. So it's, I appreciate and I, I love what we get to do with the pledge drive and we have no thoughts of stop doing the pledge drive or the, you know, 31 days of podcasting. Now Uh, I enjoy that stuff. I enjoy that interaction. The only thing the Patreon will help us with is to potentially have consistent money. And again, that will fall back to the pledge drive because we always look at here's the money we have. Here's what we still need. When can we start giving to charity? So that all it will potentially do is make us get to giving money to charity faster during the pledge drive, really. And I think that is where we will end this one. I'm Jeff King. And I'm the Canadian. And of course, with us. Don the anime guy. Yes. He will be, uh, will he be back? Yeah, I think so. All right. Uh, oh, I barely passed. So 20, 2015 will still be the year of anime Don. 2016 be his podcast. And then, uh, Jordan and I will guest every once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And as always, everyone. Thanks for listening. This podcast is a proud member of the GeekCast Network. If you enjoyed it and are looking for other podcasts with a geek culture slant, head over to geekcastnetwork.com, where you will find podcasts such as Royal Monster Battalion, where two geeks share their love of monster movies and have a few laughs along the way.